And we're back here as we take another instalment in our Phase 1 Remastered. When me and Will first started this podcast three years ago, we didn't know what we were doing (laughs) from beginning to end. We just talked about how the first episode is, what do you say, an hour and 20 minutes? It was the first Incredible Hulk we did? uh, As you were talking about the history of the comic, I, I, I went and had a quick look just so we could say... The, the, the original episode was one hour, 18 minutes. The first part of this episode is probably about the same length, if not a bit longer. And that's why we're doing these remastered yeah. episodes, so that we can put the time and the attention and the care and the thought into uh, heading back to phase one and doing it like we do it now, approaching it how we approach everything with our level of uh, kind of research and and um, and all that kind of context as yeah. well. Um, and that's what we did in part one, where we looked at the production history of the Hulk. We looked at what the problem is between Marvel and Universal Pictures, why we don't have any solo Hulk movies, mm. how it performed at the box office. We went behind the page on how... The uh, Incredible Hulk comic book failed when it was first released, and the character yeah. nearly slipped into obscurity. We uh, heard from a lot of cool people. We paid some bills. We want to give our shout-out to uh, some very special people that keep the show on the air. Peter J., Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, Zach Thomas, Bass DeBeer, Sam, Bindi, Soupy, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, and Zubair Q., before we kick off with the deep dive, we just want to give a, uh, a little nod to a really cool event me and Will are doing Thursday the 25th of May. We're going to be guest speakers at a, uh, a cool event called Radio Times Talks, hosted by The Radio Times, very prestigious uh, TV, media, magazine and website here in Britain. Um, we're going to be part of a discussion panel tackling the future of Marvel and DC movies. So it's completely free if you get tickets. Tickets are limited. Uh, to come down, you can see me and Will as guest speakers on this panel. There's also going to be, I think, podcasts and videos made of the event, which will be out and about. Um, if you check out the pinned tweet on our um, on our Twitter, which is at Marvel Versus, we'll put the link there for how you guys can get access to these tickets. As we said, the tickets are free, um, but they're going to be very limited. That's mm. the Thursday, twenty fifth of May, so it's right after this episode drops on Monday. Um, but check that out; it'd be really cool to see you if you can make it. And now here we go: the big green gamma deep dive. <laughs> Take it away, Will. Let's press play at Culver University in Virginia. General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross meets with Doctor Bruce Banner the colleague and boyfriend of his daughter, Betty, regarding an experiment, part of a World War II-era super-soldier program that Ross hopes to recreate. Bruce Banner is the human test subject, bombarded by gamma radiation, but the experiment fails. The exposure to gamma radiation causes Banner to transform into a hulking green monster for brief periods of time, whenever his heart rate rises above 200 beats per minute. The Hulk destroys the military lab and surrounding area, killing several people inside and injuring the General and Betty. Bruce Banner goes on the run, becoming a fugitive wanted by the US military and by General Ross, who wants to weaponize the Hulk. 
that's all. Uh, there's no dialogue. That that's all interpretation of the montage, isn't it? That's such a great way. I, lo- I was about to say I loved the way they did it. They, like the, the, the opening titles doing this, it totally bypasses the need for the first act of the film to be about this. It's like when you see Spider-Man Two, and the opening titles are just explaining what happened in the previous film through just screenshots, and it's like, yeah. great, this well, is so good of way of doing they- it. They bring in this amazing um, comic book artist, painter called Alex Ross, mm. to paint the uh, scenes from the first movie. Yes, it's uh, but yeah, with, with this one, really, really loved it. They, I really loved the title showing the X-rays and the lab stuff. Uh, also, some of it really mirrored the TV show original TV show opening, didn't it? Especially with that green cross going above him. Yeah, there's I, there's, there's lots of nods to that. Yeah, the, uh, contact lenses at one point and, um, <laughs> yeah. and things like yes. that. Yeah, well, oh. it makes sense because it's the it's the biggest. Mm. It's it's a it was a huge TV show in the seventies and eighties, mm. um, and it's probably in America. It's people and and in this country, it's people's you know most defining memory of of the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's 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 them knowing what they're dealing with. You know the weight of what they are. And, oh God, it, it felt felt like it really was some of this really handled. I, I had this. I wrote this. This I was trying to write. I don't know what I was. A, I was a dumb young kid. I was trying to write a script for a Batman and Superman movie, right? And I wrote this kind of bible for it anyway to begin with. Um, and what I had in the opening sequences is that everyone knows the Superman and Batman story. You don't need to nope. do a movie about the. So what you have is montages mm. of um, Krypton blowing up. Yes, and and interspersed. And and and, and Kal-El going to the rocket, interspersed with a montage of Bruce's parents being gunned down, and a little boy, like no dialogue, nothing like that, and young boy being left on his own, interspersed, cut between the two, and then you have both of them wake up from a bad dream. They're dreaming about um, their childhoods, and that's yeah. how you go into the movie. There you go. You've reminded everyone of the story. Bosh, get on with it. But I think. <laughs> Dare I say it? Zack Snyder kind of did that with Batman vs Superman, where he's showing like in slow motion the, the death of Bruce's parents and stuff. Slow motion from Zack Snyder, you don't say. So, so slow. All I can think of is Garth Marenghi. Any anything, any bit that didn't have any dialogue was cued for, was bookmarked for slow motion. <laughs> Anyway, let's get back to the Hulk. How did uh, Bruce Banner become the Hulk in the comic books? It, it's to do with gamma radiation, I assume, because, oh boy, Stan Lee sure loved his radiation as a narrative device. Well, yeah, but he, he does, but it makes sense in the 60s. Yeah. Radiation is a new thing, and mm. everyone's scared of it. Yeah. Um, so radiation being at the core of the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the Hulk, the X-Men... It makes sense. Um, now, of course, the Fantastic Four, it's going up into space. No one knows what's up there. Maybe there's cosmic radiation. Um, there's radiation that turns a, the spider's bite into superpowers and yep. stuff like that. The X-Men, it is, it is, it is fallout from the nuclear wars of the past mm. seeping into the atmosphere and creating these mutated babies. With the Hulk... Who uh, predates everyone but the Fantastic Four? It's very clearly um, Stanley and the public's fear of nuclear bombs. That's what is used in the TV series. And here you have a guy strapped to a chair and he gets injected with something and a light flashes on him. And there you go. 
In the comic books, it, it is all about the gamma bomb. Yeah. Which is called the G bomb instead of the H bomb. <laughs> I love it. We're in the middle of the desert where a lot of this nuclear testing would take place for real. Mm. And Stanley sets his story there. There's a military base in the middle of the desert. Bruce Banner has invented the most awesome weapon ever created by man, the gamma bomb. Um and uh and that is what that is what bombards Bruce and and uh, gives him the radiation. It's not this nice kind of simple medical procedure that we yeah. get here. It's a explosive, dangerous, traumatic kind of experience. Um we learn in the comics that uh Bruce Banner um is the only person that has any of the secrets of the gamma bomb. He's never shared his work with any other scientist. Uh, not even Igor, who <laughs> is uh, very, very keen for Bruce to tell him all the secrets. Um, as we'll learn later, Igor is a KGB spy. Um, <sighs> all, all I can think of is Igor from Frankenstein. <laughs> and that's not a, that's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. That's just Stan, yeah. Stanley has said what we did here was Frankenstein. Yeah, and yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. Um, so. Bruce, we see, spends a lot... He meets Betty Ross for the first time. He's getting yelled at by Thunderbolt Ross, um, who calls him uh, all sorts of names. Bruce spends a lot of time to make sure everything is as safe as possible with mm. this nuclear... This, sorry, this gamma bomb test, despite the fact it delays and infuriates the military. Um, and Igor is hassling around says, you must share your secrets with me, Dr. Banner. Uh, let me check your work, Dr. Banner. What if you made a mistake, Dr. Banner? You'll never get the secrets of the G-bomb, Igor. Um, <laughs> And then the final test mm. to blow up the gamma bomb in the desert is Bruce Banner takes out a pair of binoculars and goes, I'll just check the desert. And as he looks across the desert with his binoculars, he sees in the distance a punk kid teenager <laughs> driving <laughs> a jeep, driving a jeep across the desert and into the mm. middle of the test site, blaring his youth music, the rock <laughs> and roll. <laughs> So uh, Bruce tells Igor, Igor, you must delay the firing of the gamma bomb. Uh, I've got to get that child to safety. And Bruce rushes off to uh, get that kid to safety, which Igor sees as the perfect chance to kill Bruce Banner with a bomb <laughs> and steal all his secrets. So Bruce races up to the teenager. This is Rick Jones, our first uh, meeting of the perennial teenage sidekick in Marvel. Um, and we find Rick Jones lazing about on his open-top Jeep, feet on the dashboard, playing the harmonica and singing to himself. Call it, man. The other kids bet me I wouldn't have the nerve to sneak past the guards into this testing facility. Who's Bruce the real <laughs> loser now? I snuck past the guards. <laughs> Bruce grabs... The kid drags him to the safety of a protective trench, uh, like a massive trench in the desert, so that the bomb blast will sail over the top or something. Mm. And they're miles and miles from the center. Um, yes, well, I was. It's actually makes sense because it's a gamma bomb. Gamma radiation. Here it, we go. Here we go. Okay, you have alpha. Beta and gamma radiation, three three different kinds of radiation. Take a drink while he's take, 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 actually go to the toilet while I'm talking if you want. <laughs> now's now's the right time. It's the bit in the film where the action stops and they start talking. That's the time when you need a wee wee. Anyway, alpha and beta radiation tends to stick into things or whatever. It's it's I forget how it is, but gamma radiation is the one that basically shoots out like light. 
So yeah. hiding in the de- hiding in that trench, if it's a gamma radiation bomb, that would actually really make sense. That you would be protected. Do you think Stanley knows any of that? No, I think <laughs> I he knows I, nothing about science. He knows nothing about science, but you know he's he's a stop clock here. He's a stop clock. He just happens to be right about gamma radiation this one little bit. So Bruce throws the kid into the trench, mm. but before Bruce Banner can get into the trench and safety himself, mm. Igor detonates the gamma bomb. He has told yeah. no one to delay the sequence, and the gamma bomb explodes, and Bruce Banner is caught in this explosion, silhouetted by this mushroom cloud, and he is wow. inches from safety. Bah. And the, the, the comic reads, although many miles from ground zero, Dr. Bruce Banner is bathed in the full force of the mysterious gamma rays. The world seems to stand still, trembling on the brink of infinity as his ear-splitting scream fills the air. This the, is not a superhero comic. This is not a superhero uh, It Obviously, it was intended, but The Simpsons, here we go, uh, when they did Fallout... Uh, sorry, Radioactive Man. Mm, when yeah. they, when they get Radioactive Man number one, it mirrors this exact sequence. He, he gets basically he's in the desert. There's an A bomb test, and instead of Rick Jones, he gets his clothes caught on a barbed wire fence, it, and then gets I caught think in actually, the blast. It, it, it mirrors the original Sandman, as we discussed a bit more. Ah, yes, because yes, Sandman right. gets yeah, his yeah, leg yeah, caught yeah, in yeah. the fence, and uh, in that time mm. he gets. He gets blasted with a, a nuclear bomb, and it turns him to sand. <laughs> that's 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 not how in Stanley's mind uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki was, was just a birthplace of many superheroes. <laughs> oh, that was dark. Let's get back to the film. <laughs> Five years later, and 158 days since his since he last transformed, Banner works at a bottling factory in Rossinia. I hope so. I hope I pronounced that right. Racine. We don't need Will. We never need the full names of these places. You could just say Rio de Janeiro or Brazil. We don't need to know the name of the university from that montage sequence. In South America. <laughs> it's South America. <laughs> well, you can be more specific than that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. While searching for a cure for his condition, he lives in a favela and has private yoga lessons in controlling his emotions so he can keep the beast at bay. A wrist-mounted heart monitor measures his heart rate so he can be aware if he's about to turn when his heart rate reaches 200 beats per minute. At the factory, he is bullied by the other workers, and during an inspection of the bottles with his manager, he cuts his finger, causing a drop of his gamma blood to fall inside one of the open bottles on the floor below. Panicking, he tells the other workers to shut the conveyor belt off as one of the bottles has been dangerously contaminated. Sealing his wound with superglue, he fails to spot the infected bottle as it rolls along the conveyor belt and is shipped out to the US. I, I've just remembered um, that the, 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 the blood bottle was quite obvious when you looked at it, and it was like, how did you miss that? Hmm. There's a big smear. Anyway, one little touch I love in this film is the little counter that comes up, Days Without Incident. I thought, oh, such a wonderful little touch. Loved it's it. The, so it's the Days Without Incident which you'd see in a factory. Yeah. But of course, in this instance, it's applying to, it's, to Bruce and his 
transformation is really great. It, it's it's almost like an all. I mean, it's used for some uh, you know little little joke days later. It's like days without incident one or something or zero, and it's like it's just it's almost like a punchline basically saying like, oh yeah, he's 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 really messed up this time. Also, uh, it was when I was when I was watching it uh, uh, for this episode about four minutes in. And I just went. I just thought to myself, I'm enjoying this a lot more than the first viewing. It's already in four minutes in. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot more. Do you think you went into the first viewing still with that thing of ah uh, the angly one, or what's what do you think? Or or ah oh, this was one that Marvel kind of didn't follow up on. Was there a I, bit of that to it the first I'm, time? I'm trying to cast my mind back to when we we're all locked in our houses. Um, and I, do you know what? I, I didn't feel like that. I was actually looking forward to watching this because mm. by that point, you know, I was somewhat like, oh, Ed Norton playing the Hulk, but it's not like the Mark Ruffalo version. This could be fun. I, I know. I went in there with fairly good expectations and, you know, I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. And this time round, I've enjoyed it a lot more. I really, really enjoy Sometimes it. Sometimes that, that can happen when, when you had a positive experience with the film. I think one of, one of our uh, letters in the first half, they said, it's great because you can kind of enjoy the movie, but mm. you don't remember every detail of it because it's quite well-paced and it's quite yeah. short. So it, it holds up to a lot of repeat viewing, and maybe that's yeah. what's happening. You've got the positive memory that this is a fun movie, but mm. you, you're not going, you're not remembering everything that happens, so you can re-watch it a year, two mm. years later. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, I can't believe I missed this. I can't remember pointing it out when we first went for it, but when Banner is flicking through the TV channel, Bill Bixby pops up in a TV show. The late wow. Bill Bixby. Uh, great little Easter egg there. Obviously, it's not the Hulk. It's, I think it's another TV show he was in. Uh, but I was like, oh my God, how did I not see that before? Great. Loved, loved Bill it's Bixby. packed with great references, this one. Really is. Also, 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 also. You need to start your sentences with a different word. No, no, no. You yeah, just add an extra do. word. It's no, like, no, you don't. No, no. It's like New Talk from 1984. Just repeat the word. Uh, 200 beats per minute. That is a dangerously high heart rate. This might mean yeah, it, it really is. It, yeah, because I, you know, first time around, because I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a smartwatch that measures my heart rate at times, and um, uh, behind the behind the camera, behind the curtain, uh, I've just received my first uh, batch of uh, ADHD meds, and I have to watch my heart uh, pressure. Apparently, I have to get get that measured, so I'm very conscious of it. Um, I think Banner might have some sort of heart condition. Or he only turns into the Hulk when he's beyond stress. To put this, I think it, I think it meant to to, to be yeah really yeah. really high levels. Yeah, yeah. otherwise he'd be turning to way more often. To put this into perspective, when I go running, like do my runs, uh, I usually just after I have like it can be up to 160 beats per minute max, and that's like really going for it. Usually lower 200 BPM. That's that's mental. That is mental heart rate. Whew. But then again, Very I think high. to be fair, if I if I was at 200 BPM. I would probably become the Hulk. I would definitely become the Hulk. <laughs> so, there's a lot of concern as well, speaking of beats per minute, there's a lot of concern about blood in the movie. Does uh, does does Bruce have special blood in the original stories? Yeah, although I don't think it I kind of I don't think it plays a major role until the 1970s when mm. they introduce the She-Hulk. Um, who, yes. if we go back to listen to the archives, our She-Hulk episode yes. for the complete history of She-Hulk, um, Bruce's cousin is gunned down in an assassination attempt. Uh, she's bleeding to death, and Bruce gives her a blood transfusion as a last resort because he knows how dangerous it could be. Um, but by receiving um, mm. by receiving his blood, 
she becomes uh, She-Hulk. And uh, in a, uh, I guess, similar manner... Hmm, is it blood-related? <laughs> hmm. Well, when the Hulk is King Emperor of the planet Sakaar... What a, what a um, segue. He, uh, he has a child. Yes. And the child grows up to possess gamma-based mutation uh, and powers, mm. which suggests that his... Is that blood-related? I don't think it's not, it's not blood-related. That's DNA-related, isn't it? So if yeah. you can forget that bit. Um, there's an explanation which is given that is, that is basically... Um, but most and it, with other gamma related characters, the abominations blood has been used to create other gamma mm. mutates. I don't know if the Hulk's. I can't think of any instance of the Hulk's blood being used like that. But he's in later stories. He's very keen to destroy any samples. It's the explanation is given that for most people, if they came into contact with gamma radiation or mm. became infected with Bruce Banner's blood, they'd get sick, get cancer, and die. But there are some people in the Marvel Universe mm. who possess a unique set of genes which makes them able to survive gamma exposure and be mutated by it. I'd love this stuff. It's like, hey, something that would kill you in a horribly and slow, painful way, but sometimes it gives you powers! <laughs> I love this. <laughs> what do you love about it? Because it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's mad, it's ridiculous, it, but... But convenient, yeah. <laughs> very convenient well, for the story. Yeah, yeah. I love well, it. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a great trope. I love. That's, yeah, all science fiction is kind of like that. I, isn't it? I know, I know. But I, I what is what is always fun is that the first flush of stories are written for less sophisticated readers, and it's yeah. just a thing happens. Guy gets powers, isn't it fun? And then as you, as, as the sixties become the seventies, become the eighties more sophisticated readers require more sophisticated writers and so someone has to come along and go ah well the explanation as for why this mm. seems so odd or out of ordinary is because there's a, a special gene let them x-men have a gene yep. there's a yep. gene yep. that does this and they yeah i mean that kind of makes sense it's fine anyway back to the film after the shift a worker whom Banner has a crush on is being bothered by one of the bullying workers. He decides to step in, but the worker starts a fight with him, despite Banner's warnings. Before anything, What, what are his warnings? <laughs> he tries to say it okay. in Spanish, doesn't he? Portuguese, he's in Brazil. Oh. Uh, yeah, But he's it, it's good because it ties in early. There's an earlier scene where he's teaching himself Portuguese. And he's and he's saying it... By, by watching a Sesame Street, isn't it? Sesame, watching Sesame Street in Portuguese. And... It, this is the part where he says so to say life in a TV show, but it comes out as "Don't make me hungry. You won't like me when I'm hungry." <laughs> Very funny. The, the catchphrase from the uh, it wasn't really a catchphrase, but it's said a few times with poignancy in the seventies Bill Bixby series. Oh, that Bill was the Bixby catchphrase. Would, that was the I'm, catchphrase. I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it was. It's not like a catchphrase from a sitcom. Yeah. What's up, guy? It wasn't like, you know, dynamite. <laughs> Don't make me angry. <laughs> but it, but I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying, yeah, we, we haven't actually told new listeners what we're talking about. Yeah. Bill Bixby's character, as, as Bruce Banner would say... Don't make me angry. You would not like me when I'm angry, um, and that became that became very attached to the '70s series. Whereas here, he gets the uh, the Portuguese translation wrong. Very it's, very funny scene. It's it's great because as a as a lover of the original series, you are waiting for that line to happen. 
You are I way... wasn't. I wasn't. I was waiting all. for that line to happen. I'm sorry. Because it didn't happen in the Ang Lee movie. Well, I never didn't see the Ang Lee movie. Never happened in any of the cartoons. Oh. Like, it's only tied to that one production, I think. So I wasn't. I was. It was a, this is a great way of doing it without doing it. It was It was a nightmare for me when I was watching Man of Steel because I was waiting for General Zod to say, kneel before Zod. Never happened. How dare you, Zack Snyder. Anyway, he says, don't make me hungry. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. Brilliant. Anyway, back to the film. After work. Banner makes a trade with a contact of his and manages to get a mysterious flower. According to an anonymous internet contact called Mr. Blue, it's what Banner needs to cure himself of his condition. Preparing the solution in a homemade lab, Banner combines it with a sample of his blood and is relieved to see that it works. But only for a quick second before making his blood more irradiated. Another failure. Talking with Mr. Blue, the mysterious contact says it's time to meet and to send him a sample of Banner's blood, preparing a blood sample and packaging it in a very secure parcel, Banner sends it to Mr. Blue. So, I liked Mr. Green as well as his username. That was uh, that was a nice little touch. So, is Mr. Blue something from the comics, or is this just something they've done for the film to to tie in with this thing? Oh no, it's um yeah, it's just a little nod here. Um, it's because it's not exactly the same, but it sort of by the end of the nineties, um, sales of the of the whole comic book were really mm. pretty terrible. Um, it was really struggling, and I think there was talk of even cancelling the, the the series. This is after the characters we've talked about several times, mm. along with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, was essentially killed off in the Marvel universe, and then rebooted by the two of the Image Comics guys, um, Rob. Lightfield and Jim mm. Lee uh, spun off their own Marvel Universe for a bit, but still wasn't very popular when he came back. Um, Marvel brought in a writer called Bruce Jones, who mm. was experienced as a writer, uh, comic books and, and I think some novels, but didn't have much of a profile at the time. Wasn't like a fan favorite writer, um, but he was given uh, the job and he returned Banner to his status as a fugitive on the run um, being pursued by there's a secret conspiracy that want to use him and he's being aided on this fugitive on the run story by the mysterious Mr. Blue who he only communicates uh, with through like secure chat lines and things like that online yeah. um, identity remains a secret um, for a lot of the story, um, and it became a hot talking point in comics. Mm. People speculated it could be Thunderbolt Ross, yeah, it yeah. could be Samuel Stearns, Rick Jones. A popular theory was that it, Mr. Blue was actually Captain America. That would make sense. Who didn't want to actively break the law and, and help this kind of fugitive from the military, but had a lot of sympathy for, for Bruce Banner. Mm. Um, sales of the Hulk rose significantly with this good run from Bruce Jones. Mm. Uh, made a real name for himself, right? The comic for four years. Uh, Mr. Blue was eventually revealed to be Betty Ross. Oh, um, so. nice twist. Although uh, I'm, I'm picturing Captain America using the internet. I know, it doesn't gel, it, does it? it? It Well, it makes me giggle. <laughs> it makes me laugh, especially with some kind of encrypted VPN or something. And it's yeah. like, I, I'm just imagining someone else sat next to him going, right, you need to do that. And then he's like, like talking to your grandmother how to a send an email. Surfer. A yeah. sil- Oh, hello. Oh. Every, well, that's what, that's every, what they were called. They are everything connects. It all yeah. comes back to Marvel. Jesus. Anyway, at the Pentagon... 
General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross is shown a report of an elderly man in Milwaukee dying from gamma sickness after drinking from a bottle of soda from Brazil. Who's the elderly man? It's Stan Lee, true believers. <laughs> Sorry, that's my that's the best I can do. It's a good one. Oh, thanks. Knowing that this has to be because of Banner, the general musters his troops to find Banner in Rio de Janeiro, leading his team to Emil Blonsky, a Russian-born ex-Royal Marine. The team is under orders by Ross to bring Banner back alive. At Banner's home, he is awoken by a message from Mr. Blue that he might be able to make a cure, but needs more data on Bruce's condition. Banner reveals that the data they need is back home in the US. Fun fact, my late granddad was a Royal Marine. Oh, wow. He was a tough Scottish man. Hmm. Bless him. Uh, on a side note, the sweeping aerial shots of the favela uh, look mental. The way those they places... They always do that. They, yeah. It's it's like, it, it's almost like an optical illusion because it's like they're so hilly and you're seeing all these box-like ramshackle mm. buildings and it just looks like a pile. It looks like someone's moving house and they stacked all their things. It's it's a, it's very, very popular to use them in action movies, isn't it? Oh, very. It's a, it's it, a backdrop for a scene. It's. I think it works well because it's it, in a weird way, and, and I'm, I'm flying off the seat of my pants here, so bear with me. I think it's like an adult playground. You know, you have all these kind of like verticalness to it, so there's a lot of you know ways to do, you know, navigate it's, it. You can do a lot of uh, parkour in the area, which happens in all of them, doesn't it? There's always parkour. A chase scene. Like no one just is there and then leaves. It's always like a there's always a chase scene in these, yeah, in these you, kind of uh, housing. Areas. You, can't, you, you can't do something like that in a really well laid out flat place like Berlin, for example, which looks a pleasure to drive in. Anyway, that night. A special forces team, led by Blonsky, infiltrates Banner's home, but Bruce has already snuck out of his home. With the help of his neighbour, Banner sneaks out into the street below, but encounters Blonsky's team and leads a chase through the favela, with Ross following in an intelligence truck. Across rooftops, Banner outruns Blonsky's team, but as he finds cover, his watch starts beeping. His heart rate is at 175 BPM and needs to rest, otherwise he'll turn. Turning around a corner, he comes face to face with Ross and starts running again. See what I, I love. Yeah. <laughs> Transform might be the more like a turn has quite a specific uh, meaning. <laughs> like if someone's on the turn or going to turn, it tends to mean their sexual orientation. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea that Bruce Banner, if his heart rate gets above one seventy-five BPM, he just becomes very gay. <laughs> <laughs> He needs to rest, otherwise he'll turn. <laughs> oh, she's very tired. Uh, he, he turns, he becomes the incredible twink. <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Woo, boy. Uh, oh, don't make me fabulous. You won't like me when I'm fabulous. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> so this is a really good chase sequence. Um, not only... Uh, is, is he avoiding a highly armed and highly trained team of specialists? But he's also avoiding raising his heart rate. This mm. could this could be a brilliant level or a mechanic in a video game where you're on the run, being pursued, trying to hide, but you have to pace yourself. So you're fighting. You're, you're like between a rock and a hard place of trying to get this pacing my, right. My niece plays all these kind of uh, mm. Olympic games on the Wii. Ah, yes. And in those, you you can't like you might be in a bicycle race. Yes. You can't just go as fast as possible. Nope. 
because you you mess up like you, you just can't if you go mm. really really if you, i think i'm winning the game and then suddenly the bike stops like, why why have i stopped and she's just like um uncle rob it's because you need to rest you haven't rested yeah. I'm like i'm in a race <laughs> <laughs> there's a if you've ever played grand theft auto 5 there are some bits where you get to ride a bike or go jogging against someone and uh, yes, I remember that. Yeah. You have you do actually have stamina, but the thing is, when you out get, get uh, run out of stamina, yeah. you start losing health. And I thought that was a good little uh, little thing. So, in the Marvel comics, are uh, the Hulk's transformations are they tied to his heart rate, or is it very vague uh, in terms of anger? anger metrics if you will yeah it's not it's not it's not like heart rate heart rate doesn't really it's not really kind of um as mm. specific as this this is i i feel this works really well in this movie mm. to constantly bring back and drive home the the constant kind of tension and peril and threat level that's going on right yeah it, it's a great way of building up to um the 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 Hulk's first appearance and to mm. give it meaning, um, but no, it's not really the the, the the transformations. I mean, they are sometimes tied to like adrenaline. Yeah, I mean, it's it's broadly all just said it's anger, it's <laughs> anger, anger, anger. Um, but there are many instances in which Banner becomes a Hulk without any discernible increase in heart rate, no adrenaline le- levels. Um, the thing to remember about the Hulk is that you can't think of the Hulk in scientific terms. Mm. Like you can't, you can't tr- keep trying to find a scientific answer to all of this. That might play very well in a movie because audiences are dull, boring idiots, right? But in the, <laughs> who hey, it has, to, it has to be grounded in the real world. No, out of here. Uh, audiences apart from our audience, who are all uh, lovely people. But all movies kind of try and do that with superhero stuff. Yeah. In the comic books, there is no it. The more the Hulk, the more the decades go on, the mm. more the Hulk is tied into this unique mm. and um, many layered psychology of Bruce Banner. Mm. That's what it's all about. I like um, that. It's all about uh, his ego and his id why is he afraid why is he angry and yeah. what is the hulk is the hulk a hidden part of him is it a repressed part of him when does the hulk come out and there'll be stories down the line that will sort of say that the um the, the hulk first manifests when uh bruce banner's father is beating him and beating his mom Ooh. so it comes from this this childhood trauma yeah. um that the hulk hates bruce banner because Bruce Banner didn't save their mom from being killed by the dad when he was eight. And the Hulk is like, if you'd let me out then, I could have stopped him. All this kind of, there's just a huge amount of like psychology to it that isn't, you know, that plays more interestingly. Um, So there have been times when like adrenaline suppressors have been used, um, injected into the Hulk with like adamantium needles. And they, (laughs) they have like been successful in, in lowering the adrenaline and yeah. quelling his rage, and he turns back into Bruce Banner. But there's many times when that doesn't happen. If yeah. the Hulk is angry, you are done for. There's nothing you can do. You cannot stop the Hulk if he's angry. If he's not that fussed, then I guess the adrenaline suppressors might work. 
or a bit of knockout gas or a bit of telepathy. But if he's angry, <sighs> nope. Oh. Run or just accept your death. Just accept your death. <laughs> you made it sound depressing now. Anyway. In an unfortunate turn of events, Banner ends up running into his angry workmate and is forced to tackle and run away from them as well. Escaping into the close factory where he works, Banner's workmates, as well as Blonsky's team, pursue Banner inside, <laughs> whose heart rate is at 187 BPM. Running deeper into the factory, Banner looks for a place to hide, but is greeted by his hostile workmates who advance on him. They team up against him and throw away Bruce's bag, containing all the data he has on his transformations. You're right there, mate. Yeah. I'll carry on. As Blonsky's team zeroes in on Banner, the factory workers pin Bruce against a machine. Bruce pleads with the workers to let him go, telling them it's a very bad idea to make him angry. The bullies laugh at this while Bruce's heart rate monitor goes above 190 BPM. Blonsky's men accidentally shoot a tranquilizer dart at one of the workmates instead of Banner, leading Bruce's heart rate to spike up to 200 BPM. No longer in control, Bruce Banner transforms into the Hulk. What a, I love the way they did this. They complicated a scene that was already good um, in, a, in a great way. Reintroduced the twats from earlier to make this like extra party, to make it a bit, that bit more yeah. uh, stick, situation even more sticky. Great. But, it, little, but it's wait. also to give like mm. a, a punching bag we want to see get punched. <laughs> yes. Yes. You have to do that when it's something like the Hulk. Who yeah. is unbridled, unbridled kind of right rage and violence? It's not. It's not like Spider Man or Batman, who's going to punch someone. They, he's going to throw people around and destroy stuff. So you kind of have to create a, something that makes the audience and makes the audience go, "Yeah, get them right." Yeah, and at the same time, you're putting the audience into this really interesting and unique position, right? Mm. Of you're making you're putting them in Bruce Banner's shoes. Yeah. Right. So the dramatic tension points of this are his heart rate's going up. Oh no, he can't become the Hulk. Oh no, he can't become the Hulk. The audience is going through that. Then there's these people they want to see get smashed. <laughs> so there's that thing of no no, give into it. Just give into it. I want to see it. I want to see the Hulk. Mm. So the audience is having to push and the pull, which Bruce Banner kind of goes through as well. Yeah. He wants to let go, but he knows he can't. And the audience is now in that kind of situation. <clears throat> I I adore when they build up things like that. I was playing the Last of Us video game, which is just tremendous. And when I get around, when I get around to finish off the TV show, there'll be even more crying. Uh, there's a bit where you have to kill someone, but they build up this guy. They build him up. So when it finally happens, I was pretty much in my chair, arms in the air, screaming, yes, yes. I'm like, chop his face, chop yeah. his face. I was proper like, really like, very rarely that happens now. It that satisfaction of getting seeing someone who deserves to have their face punched in, punched Walk, in. Walking Dead, man, multiple times yeah. during the great years. Yeah, multiple times during the great years, they present you with these people, and you are just you. And it makes you, the audience, a monster, just like Rick and the survivors. Yes, because you just desperately want to see Rick just drop his axe into someone's head or. Yeah. You, but but it's all about recreating society. Oh, anyway, we won't go down this path because it's such an interesting talking point. Let's continue. 
continue with this. So, Bruce Banner, his transformations, uh, I take it he's not able to control them, or has he be, ever been able to? I know he does later in the MCU, but in the comics, is that actually a thing? Issue four of the, of the Incredible Hulk series. Oh. One of the changes they make, as we discussed. Oh, sorry. Is, um, yeah, Banner. What was it? So the 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 Hulk has this. He he believes that exposing himself to more gamma rays will trans will give him more abilities and more powers. Yeah. So Banner basically concludes that regulated doses of gamma radiation will give him the power to control his transformations. Um, and he uses this gamma ray projection. Uh, he hides it in a cave. Mm. He drags it from the military base to a cave near the military base, <laughs> which becomes, and they don't call it this, but for all intents and purposes, it's his secret base. It's the Hulk cave. The Hulk cave! <laughs> Where he has um, the Hulkmobile. And uh, he gets Rick Jones to turn it on and yeah. blast him with gamma radiations. And yeah. he, he can train... Yeah, but he And he becomes the... Uh, he becomes, as we talked about, the Thing version of the Hulk with this kind of uh, brutishness and this like love of aggression and um, things like that. Um, and he tries to use the Hulk powers to do good. Um, but it doesn't really. <clears throat> it they again they, at the time there's there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. They're just reacting to negative sales. Mm. So uh, they eventually uh, explain away that the gamma ray machine that he uses to control his transformation uh, makes him sick, um, and eventually Ooh. it turns the Hulk into uh, an un- uncontrollable rampaging monster. Um, and that's kind of where he becomes a villain in the Avengers series. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, you mentioned a thing again. Uh, I, I, I've i never been a, a big fan of Fantastic Four, but I don't know why I'm waiting with bated breath for them to be properly reintroduced to the MCU, mainly for Thing. I don't know what it is about Thing. I bloody love Thing. <laughs> yeah, the Thing's very, very cool. Um, ben Grimm, uh, I think he's, he's a... He kind of has this like downtrodden working class palug, and it's kind of yeah. I, it, I, I, it's I, endearing, quite, endearing. It's very endearing. I, I even in the in the um, Fox, is it the Fox Fantastic Four ones? I think they were. He's quite interesting in that. He's, I thought Michael Chiklis did a great job. I don't know about a great job, but he's it, 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 well. No, he probably does as good a job for the tone that that those films are trying to achieve. Yeah. Okay. That that makes we ended up sense. enjoying them, didn't we? Yeah. I. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. But I thought these are supposed to be terrible. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the Fantastic Four. We're here to talk about Hulk. Let's get back to the film. Through a night vision scope, one of Blonsky's men watches Banner transform while the workmates are taken out one by one by an unseen monster. Blonsky watches as one of the fleeing workmates is dragged into the darkness by something huge. As the soldiers unload a barrage of tranquilizer darts into the Hulk, they are shocked to see their weapons have absolutely no effect. One of the men throws a grenade at the beast, which only angers it further, causing the Hulk to throw a piece of machinery at them, almost killing the men. Facing down the Hulk alone, Blonsky continues to fire at him, but the monster destroys the platform Blonsky is on before escaping, angering Ross. So... I I think we talked about this in the original episode, episode two of this fine podcast. 
that how this scene is just brilliant. It's like introducing the Hulk in a film like it should be, like a horror film. Yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah to have elements of that without actually being a horror film. I I, I think it, um, I think it it lends itself well to do that. I think we also had a bit of that in the Avengers movie when the Hulk is rampaging through the helicarrier at uh, the Black Widow. We, we we also talked about how that was quite a scary yes. uh, moment, and he looked very monstrous in that in that rather than you know the big green you know affable dog. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So what happens when we uh, when we see Hulk for the first time in the comic books? Is it supposed to be like a horror thing? Because you say it's like a monster. Like you said, is it? Uh... Yeah, it is, but it's but it's like the old Universal Pictures monster yeah. monster movies of the the black and white era that are being re really kind of done and and, and shown again, um, and it's very Frankenstein based. So after the the gamma explosion, Banner just wakes up in this military hospital yeah. where the doctors are just waiting for him to die <laughs> after being exposed to that much radiation, um, and then he doesn't die, and then night falls. And when night falls, nothing to do with anger or rage, Bruce Banner transforms into the Hulk for the first time. Mm. To begin with, it's to do with he's the Hulk at night. Um, like a werewolf yeah. almost, but every day. And he's this kind of... La- he's, he's not as big as he is as the Green Hulk, but mm. he's like he's a, he's a big guy, um, large, graceful, very troll-like creature. Mm. Um that has no memories of, of of Bruce Banner. He tears down the wall of the hospital like it was cardboard. Um, <laughs> and then he's immediately... Uh, he's in the military base, so he immediately starts fighting with the army, smashing up jeeps and sending soldiers fleeing. And then he goes and runs through the desert. But he, he kind of is drawn back to Bruce Banner's lab, and he doesn't know why, because he doesn't have Bruce mm. Banner's memories. And what he does is he kind of crashes into the... Uh, Bruce Banner's office and finds Igor ransacking the place looking for the secrets to the gamma bomb and Igor pulls his gun and fires and nothing happens and it's very much like a 50s 60s monster movie Mm. it's like Frankenstein attacking someone in an old black and white picture it would be indoors right Um, and and he advances on him menacingly Igor pulls a gun get away from me don't come any closer bang 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 the bullets have no effect and he kind of grabs Igor and throws him around the room it's very much like an old Frankenstein movie yeah Yeah. so very much what they were going for yeah, no, it absolutely shows. Finding Bruce's bag, Blonsky and Ross discuss who they're pursuing, with Blonsky shocked at the sheer power of the Hulk and surprised that the Hulk is Banner. Ross thanks Blonsky for a job well done, but Blonsky starts to obsess over finding Banner. The next day, Bruce wakes up next to a river, tired and confused and only wearing tattered trousers. Getting help from a nearby driver, he discovers that, as the Hulk, he travelled all the way to Guatemala. The driver agrees to take Banner with him as Bruce tries to get back to the US. Talking with Ross back at the base, Blonsky offers his services to find Banner, doing whatever it takes to find him. Just want to point out the mo- uh, right now, Tim Roth in this role, really good to see uh, him. He, he, tremendous actor, not phoning it in at all. I really felt he did a great job here. I, I I love Tim Roth in in everything, but I I also think go out of your way to find, watch, and listen to any Tim Roth interview. He's oh, yeah. he just comes across like a normal bloke in everything. <laughs> I, I I saw an interview or heard an interview where he's been interviewed about that 
uh, TV show he had. You know uh, all these TV shows. Yeah. Where it's, he's got the one where he's a, he's a living lie detector. That's it's called it. Lie to Me or something. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. He was talking about coming to an end or whatever, and he was just saying, "Oh, it was a great job, mate. You know, you know, it was a great job, regular work. You know, I got to spend a lot of time in a great place in the world, and uh, yeah, my family. I mean, it's great to yeah. be back home now, though. But more time with the family. It just sounds like a normal bloke being talked about any job. He's great. I love. Yeah. Him. Uh, Gary Oldman's similar and I've probably done it said this before it's like you know Gary Oldman does all these different characters tremendous character actor does all these voices and stuff but he, he was he grew up on a council estate in East London yeah. so whenever you hear an interview he's like oh yeah it's quite good actually we uh we're, we're, we're good time filming and I'm playing I was playing Dracula <laughs> you know yeah. he has that kind of voice and it's really really jarring sometimes i mean he sounds a bit posher these days you know less a bit like that but there's something these days but yeah well well, i don't know sometimes he's like trying to speak a bit less working class but man when you hear that accent is what i'm saying what (laughs) he doesn't sound like anything these days because he's passed away gary oldman yeah gary oldman's dead yeah i didn't know about this (laughs) okay gary oldman's dead no, he's not dead. He's he's not. He's alive, mate. Gary Oldman's not dead. Oh yeah. I just googled him. I just googled him. How dare you do this to me? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. <laughs> in my defence. In my defence. <laughs> it's a slight uh, dyslexia thing I have with. It sounds weird, but because no. both their names aim with man. Yeah. And they're. British actors that play American roles, I struggle with them massively. Not if I if I see oh. them, if I see them, uh, I know exactly who's who. But the names don't connect the same way in my brain. No, I I, I have this where that some people I shoot, I, I I get them mixed up. It's a very only the names. It's just the words. Yeah. <sighs> my heart rate's going at two hundred BPM <laughs> now. Jeez, let's you... let's crack on. Come on. Let's, I'm sorry, sorry. Anyway, okay. Let's let's bring down that excitement with something not well. Depends what you find boring, really. Okay, now people like us Westerners who don't know much about geography outside of our our continents and whatnot would probably assume Guatemala is a neighbouring country to Brazil. However, it is not. The distance from Rio de Janeiro to Guatemala, and I did my research, Google Maps, <laughs> is about. 4,000 miles crossing six borders. That's Brazil to Colombia to Panama to Costa Rica to Nicaragua, Honduras, and then finally into Guatemala. And that's if he traveled exclusively by land and didn't choose to swim it. I tried my best with Google Maps, and for a normal human to make that journey on foot, it would be 10 weeks. This isn't me finding fault with the film. This is me being impressed by the sheer power of the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk can uh, leap about a thousand miles in one leap. Can he? So yeah, so it's just four leaps for him. It's like, but it, sorry, sorry, is that leaping or flying, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like flying, but if you read the text, it's just yeah. He he on yeah. more than one occasion he's been able to jump into Earth's orbit. <sighs> um, I, it, it would be great if we saw more jumping in this film, but I um, like implied jumping. Implied jumping, yeah. yeah, and he travels at hundreds of miles per hour whilst he's leaping. So it wouldn't have taken yeah. him that long. That's really good. I, I, I'm just imagining. I know he's strong and everything, but it's like that fast as well. Jeez. Oh, you've no idea how powerful the Hulk is. He's he's just insane. Good, good. We love our Hulk. Good boy. 
In Chiapas, Mexico, a disorientated banner walks the street streets uh, still only wearing the tattered trousers after his last incident finding new clothes favoring stretchy in case of another incident banner sleeps rough on the streets having flashback from the last incident back at base ross briefs blonsky on the secret super soldier serum with ross surprised to find blonsky already aware of it Explaining Banner's work, Blonsky is told that Banner was working on a serum for the military and was so sure it would work that Banner tested his own serum on himself, causing him to become the Hulk. Confused by Blonsky's age not leading him to be an officer by now, Blonsky's replies that he is a fighter and intends to keep on fighting the Hulk. Also, we get the Incredible Hulk theme, one of the best TV themes ever composed during one of these scenes. Oh yeah, <clears throat> not 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 just a little Easter egg or a little thing, but it's just it works. They did it. They did it at the right moment to play that bit. Yeah. Great, great piece of music. Also, we've mentioned it so many times, but I just love, I just love how Banner is just more, so much of a tragic figure here. In here, like I love me some Gruffalo, but Norton in these little bits where it's just wandering around in tattered trousers, having PTSD nightmares. That's I'm really glad they they got they got one chance at least one chance just to capture it here. Frantic and desperate, Frantic. Yeah, yeah, love it. I mean, I remember watching Avengers uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and I think they got Banner so well in in the in the cartoon. They they, yeah, they really yeah. got him well. I mean just imagine if Kevin Feige decided to pay the extra money to get Norton on board for the next X amount of films or or maybe do some smoothing over with the whole writing credit thing, whatever whatever upset him. I don't I don't think they'll bother that. Yeah, no, it will never happen. I did like in uh, She-Hulk where they, where they did the I was a different person back then line. That was a nice yeah, <laughs> breaking the board. Anyway, and of course, we have uh, William Hurt playing uh, General Ross. Uh, only seen him in this and AI artificial intelligence. But uh, what I'm really interested in is how Harrison Ford is going to play the character. Harrison Ford will play the character exactly the same way Harrison Ford does everything these days. <laughs> it'll He's just be mumbling. Yeah, it'll just be that. Not a lot of moving. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, looking forward to that new Indiana Jones film. <laughs> So Bruce Banner, uh, we we know him as, as having gamma radiation, but does he ever work on the Super Soldier Serum in the comics? Not in the six one six main Marvel universe, no. Mm, okay, but the ultimate version of the Marvel universe, the ultimate Marvel universe, we have an ah. ultimate Hulk. Um, the ultimate Marvel was this early two thousands attempt to create a modern and more slightly more uh, edgy Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he is part of the um, scientists that are used to try and recreate the super soldier formula, mm-hmm. um, which led to Captain America still in the ultimate version of, of this of this universe. Nick Fury brings this group together. Um, and it includes Bruce Banner, Hank Pym, mm. Franklin Storm, who is the father of Sue Storm and Johnny Storm. Oh, okay. And Richard Parker, who is the father <laughs> of Peter Parker. Um, and uh, Banner, as part of this, uh, is using Gamma uh, as part of his attempts to fix the formula. Mm. Um, he synthesizes serum. He's eager to test it out on a human subject the rest of the team is thinking he's kind of losing it um and he becomes the hulk and goes on a rampage he nearly kills richard parker um and um it all goes very very badly and then 
but that's kind of that's like a brief incident, and then mm. years later, uh, Bruce Banner and Hank Pym are, are both hired by Shield um, to create post-human soldiers. Oh, post-human! That's what they call them in the uh, Ultimate Universe. Uh, for Shields, they don't have the Avengers; they have the Ultimates. Yeah. Um, and Banner focuses on the Super Soldier Serum as um, Hank Pym has experimented with Pym particles and has success with the giant man formula mm. um, and he finds big success and becomes one of the ultimates and that there's a lot of jealousy and bitterness with Bruce Banner then mm. and so he um, takes Captain America's blood after they've found Captain America again they take Cap's blood mixes it with his old Hulk formula um, and transforms himself into a, a grey skinned version of the Hulk that goes rampaging through Manhattan trying to kill Freddie Prince Jr. Whoa. <laughs> the actor Freddie Prince Jr. Hulk smashes through Manhattan screaming, Freddie Prince Jr., I'm going to kill you uh, because Freddie Prince Jr. is in a relationship with Betty Ross. There we go. There was the missing piece that you needed so, to say. Yeah. Freddie Prince yeah. Jr. is on the run with Betty Ross as Hulk, this horrible, monstrous Hulk, is laughing about how he's going to tear him apart and eat him and do unspeakable things to him. It's disturbing. <laughs> What's uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar doing in all of this? I don't think she plays a role. That's a shame. <laughs> Although, do you remember the foreign... Uh, do you remember American Pie? Yeah, I remember, the, I remember the, American... The, the young woman whose character is like the hot foreign exchange student. Yes. She yeah, was like yeah. an it girl for a while. Yeah, she was. Right? I can't think of her name. She is like on the front, the first page of one of the issues of um, The Ultimates because she's uh, gone on a special date with Tony Stark. I think... And like a like a thing in Earth's orbit, she's just up in like the, like they they were very keen on using um uh using the the artist to draw kind of like photorealistic kind of depictions of celebrities mm. yeah um and that was all part of along with that we had Samuel L Jackson's face used for Nick Fury before yeah. that was ever a thing in the movies um, reminds me in Preacher where he meets Bill Hicks. <laughs> But it makes no sense in Preacher because Steve Dillon can only draw one face. <laughs> Everyone looks exactly the goddamn same. <laughs> is, that, is that Jesse Custer or is that The Punisher or is it Bill Hicks? I don't know. No one knows. I, only the I, hair is different. You're not the only, the only one person. he draws differently is arse face. You're not the only one to say that on the out, 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 one of my many uh, Facebook groups. I think it's like obs obscure comics or out of context comics, or whatever. Someone else said that you could tell it's him because they all the faces look the exactly same. The same. <laughs> yeah, they do. But this, Eddie, he brings. He brings. I, I don't get me wrong. I do enjoy a, a lot of the work, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Anyway. At Culver University, Indiana, and 17 days without incident, Banner finds Betty Ross on the campus and watches... Where are they? What specific university are they at? I... <laughs> in America! <laughs> Back in America! That is literally all we need! <laughs> I'm so angry right now. Right, well, could you do more research on this? Could you do more products? Stop being exact with the locations, Will, you weirdo. Anyway, Banner... Do research on the right areas! <laughs> 
At, at uh, latitude longitude. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll continue, guys. Banner finds Bessie Ross on the campus and watches her from afar. Hiding from sight, Banner is crestfallen to see that his old love has moved on with a new boyfriend. That evening, Banner. And it's fi- Phil! It's, it's for, for, Phil for, for a modern, from a modern family. <laughs> I, I, my, my mate, old school mate of mine, John Walsh. Uh, I, I've been bugging him because he's got a kid now. Bugging him to watch the MCU films, and he's like, "Okay, fine." He enjoyed Iron Man, but he, he he found this a bit disappointing. But he was updating me as he was watching it. He took the mick out of me. Uh, he did that meme, that Wojek meme of them pointing, going, "Oh!" And when he said to me, "He said the line. He said, don't make me angry.' He said the line." But when he saw uh, him and this, he went, oh my god, Phil from Modern Family said it! And then uh, other other people that excited him, and he, it was quite funny having that update. But yeah, that was, feels weird having him there. But yeah. I'll, I'll talk about him in, in a bit. Stanley, uh, sorry. I've gone to the wrong bit. That evening, Banner finds an old friend, Stanley, in his pizza parlor and explains that the rumors about him are false, as well as finding out about Betty's new boyfriend. Stanley lets Banner stay in the spare room above the pizza place and loans him a pizza delivery form uniform. What's, he, what's, you, what's the pizza place called? Oh, I forgot. What was it called? Lieber's. This Lieber's. is Stanley Lieber, which is, of course, Stanley oh. Lieber's Pizza. Yeah. What, a, what a deep cut. Like his pizza. Anyway, uh, he loans him a pizza delivery uniform, which he uses the next day to get past campus security. Going past the lab, he remembers the day he injected himself with the serum that turned him into the Hulk. Bribing one of the college students with pizza for access to the computers, he logs into Betty Ross's account. Trying to find data on the experiment he did years ago, Banner is dismayed to find no evidence of it whatsoever. Using an encrypted chat, he contacts Mr. Blue to tell him that the data is now gone. Mr. Blue cannot help him, and Banner needs to get moving. Okay. We're just going to go through some uh, some things here. There's uh, been some some cameos, if you will, in in the space of a minute, one minute. We see three different actors who've played Banner and the Hulk. Okay, okay let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, first of all, Ed Norton, of course, playing Banner in this film. Then you have Lou Ferrigno playing the security guard, who of course played Hulk in the seventies TV show and does voices for Hulk in this film, as well as uh, the cartoon series in the 90s. This is the third time at this point he's played the character. Uh, and then, finally, playing Stanley is Paul Souls, who played Banner in the 1966 The Marvel Superheroes, Superheroes animated series. Incredible hit. Incredible. Brilliant. Really Paul good. Souls is also the very first person to ever play Spider-Man. No way! Um, the 1966 Marvel superheroes, like 66, is like five years after these characters have been invented. Incredible. Less than that for some of them, right? Yeah. Um, Hulk's 62 or 63. So, mm. like, bang, within three years, there's a cartoon series of all these characters. Mm. So, yeah, Souls was the first person to play Bruce Banner and the first person to play Spider Man. Yeah. Um, Mad. Mad. Again, pe- the people making this film, there was a sense of treating with care that I, that I appreciate also uh, Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks in Silicon Valley plays the nerdy college student in the lab scene and and you might debate this is later retroactively revealed to be Roger Harrington one of Peter Parker's teachers in the later Spider-Man films present me with any evidence that connects this role to that role they have the same face <laughs> <laughs> okay so they just cast the same actor like 15 years later in a different role okay <laughs> 
in a, it, yeah. Well, sorry, in a different role. It, it's he's clearly graduated from this university, Rob. <laughs> There's clearly a character arc going on here. All right. Okay. How, how how can Don Corleone be played by two different actors in the Godfather films? It they makes both no have sense. the same name. What's this guy's name in this? He doesn't have a name. There we go. Right. It What's leaves it open. Nothing. Okay. Cool. <laughs> also, this uh, this this made me giggle. Um, when Banner logs into the computer, Norton Antivirus shows up. It made me giggle because it felt one, it felt like a sign of the times the film was made. Because I don't know anyone who still uses Norton Antivirus. It's really okay. I, I you know, is that not a, what is it? Not a cool antivirus software anymore. Daddio, Daddio. <laughs> That's it's not the Are there anti- trends when it comes to antivirus software. Well, with, as a Windows user, some people will argue that Windows Defender is good enough, but I use AVG Free. Uh, that said, if you're listening to the podcast. If you listen to the podcast right now and you know a good uh, <laughs> antivirus software for a Windows 10 machine that's mainly used for gaming and stuff, what is please happening? write in. Right? Please tell me. <laughs> please, please let me know because I'm genuinely interested. But anyway, aside, aside from that, I thought it was a very basic reference and pun to the film's lead, uh, <laughs> ah, right, Ed Norton. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. You're just there. If only they could see your face right now. You're there going, just kill me. Anyway, anyway, as Banner, uh, sorry, as 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 uh, Banner stays in for the night above Stanley's, Betty Ross and her new boyfriend Leonard Sampson bother the old restaurant owner for a late night pizza. However, while she is talking to Leonard, Betty catches Banner almost exiting the kitchen and realises he's following her. Wandering outside into the alley, an emotional Betty realises that Bruce is still alive. Betty goes back into the restaurant and asks Stanley to tell her the truth about Banner. Elsewhere, Banner walks in the rain, looking for another place to stay, now that Betty knows where he is. However, as Banner is walking along a bridge, a car pulls up, and Betty steps out. The two embrace with Betty pleading with Banner to come with her. Taking Banner back to hers, Betty reveals that she has all the lab data on a memory stick, which she has kept secret from everyone, including her father. Banner explains to Betty that her father wants to dissect him and replicate whatever whatever is in Banner's blood that turns him into the Hulk and make it a weapon. Meanwhile, in a military lab, Ross takes a top secret vial of super soldier serum. Out Which Ross? Sword. So, oh, sorry, uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, which military lab, you say? Well, no. <laughs> if there are multiple people with the same surname in the movie. We need more. We need to be more specific. Okay, if I say Ross, I mean Thaddeus Ross. If I mean Betty, if I say Betty, it's Betty Ross. Just say General Ross. Just use just the General. Name. Just, just, uh, just General Ross. Okay, so. <laughs> Obviously, we see Ty Burrell, Phil from Modern Family, but the only other thing I've seen him in is what well, he's in Key and Peel, and he's in several s- sketches, but he's always playing a Nazi officer. Uh, the one where they white put on white face to hide. <laughs> and yes! he comes round, like re- trying to recreate the scene from um, Glory. Well, sort of a scene from Bastards where he's yeah. like. And he has. He thinks that um, the Nazi officer has all these horrible misconceptions about Jewish people. But the sketch takes it to a ludicrous extent. Yeah. So he's like, "I hunt for I hunt for Jewish people, 
by leaving out cat because the Jewish people cannot resist playing with a ball of yarn. <laughs> yeah, that was so, oh. no, not Jewish people. Sorry, it's black people. Black people, black. Yeah, whole thing mixed up. Yeah, and it's just like it's so funny. It, it's oh. so good. Yeah. We won't go into a whole thing about gushing over Key and Peele, but I'm so glad it's I incredible went through it. Incredible. Anyway, yeah. Liv Tyler, great job of being emotional bit well in the scene. Uh, she's got good eyes for crying. I think she has fantastic eyes for crying. She's got big eyes. Big eyes. I agree. Um, I I think, we know we're talking about her performances. I think uh, she did a great job in The Leftovers, which is a brilliant show. Only three seasons. Great show. And she was very... Very different role in that. She was quite devious in places. But a lot of people say it's kind of like the um, enacting the the great vision of Lost uh, with a different show. Uh, it's the same guy, of, yeah. Mm. But I've never got round to it because I knew it kind of ended before he wanted to end it. I was just I never bothered with it. Well, the season, well, the season, well, season three. Basically, they they got told, yeah, you only got one more season. And he went right, yeah. went into overdrive and just wrapped up everything. But it was such a good ending. It's one of the best endings to a TV show I've ever seen. I, I can't recommend it enough. Some of it really got to me, and it was, and some of it made me howl with laughter. For a depressing show, it was pretty funny. Anyway, Rob, we're going to talk about Ross. Which one, you ask? Aha, uh-huh, Betty Ross. I hate you. And <laughs> <laughs> this podcast and my yes! life. I'm um, doing this. I'm sabotaging the podcast so I can actually go out and read a Marvel comic. Is she uh, the original in the original Hawk stories in the '60s, or was there another love interest? No, no, yeah, it is. It is Betty Rush. She's right yeah. there at the very start, the first issue. Um, she's the the, the long running romantic interest for Bruce. Mm. Um, she is immediately captivated by his intellect and soft spoken manner. Um, <laughs> so, like, she only meets him an hour before the ex- gamma bomb explosion that makes him the yeah. Hulk. It's not like they've been friends, colleagues before this. Um, but then she gets caught up in the in the whole uh, whatever's going on. Mm. Um, but that we get a as ever, Stanley's writing it. What do we get? A love triangle. Yes, his old favorite. So that and transistors. We, we have um, Bruce Banner. Who um, loves Betty, and Betty is uh, loves Bruce, or they're attracted to each other, but they're kept away from each other because Betty, uh, being a woman in the sixties, is not allowed to just be like, "I want you." Um, Bruce, being the man, has to do all the chasing or whatever, but he won't because he's got to keep his terrifying secret of the Hulk from her. So um, it it kind of there's a distance between them mm. and alienates her. And she's like, "Well, if he's not going to spend time with me, I'll spend time with this hunk over here." <laughs> and this character introduced called Major Glenn Talbot, who is like um, the goodest good boy in all of the army. Why do I works, know that name? We've talked about him in the Hulk animated series. That um, is it. And yeah. so he's like um, the new aide to General Ross. Mm. Um, and works on the Hulkbuster task force and stuff. So there's a love triangle going on there. Um, when his 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 uh, every, when she finds out that Bruce Banner is the Hulk, mm. um, they are separated. They can't be together. Um, Reed, what happens? Reed Richards invents a way for him to gain control over his transformations. So they. Uh, get engaged and they're gonna be married mm. and everything's going the right way and then at the um 
<laughs> at the wedding ceremony, the Hulk's arch enemy appears, uh, shoots him with a gun that turns him back into the Hulk, and the whole thing starts all over again. Um, there's a lot of that that happens in long running comics. Yeah. At one point, she becomes Glass Woman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it like uh, Sue Storm, but? Not as rubbish, good. rubbish, very delicate. So mm. the Sandman, we remember him from <laughs> Spider-Man. He's trying to rid himself of his glass-like form that he's been trapped into. Oh yeah, um, and he needs to find a patient with the same blood type. It turns out to be Betty Ross is in the hospital for something else. They do a blood transfusion. Sandman is like, yes, I'm back to being Sandman, but Betty is mm. stuck in glass woman form, um, <laughs> and she has to kind of find a way out of that. Um, what else? Oh, oh, she gets kidnapped by Modok. We remember Modok. We like oh, Modok, right? We, Mo, Mo, I'm all about the Modok, baby. Modok's a big Hulk villain. Uh, and Modok kidnaps Betty. Sorry, yeah. I was about to say, uh, that that's Modok, right? Mechanised organism design only for kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, Modok kidnaps Betty um, and bombards her with gamma radiation. A higher <laughs> level of radiation than Bruce Banner had been subjected to. <laughs> and it transforms her into a, a green, half-bird, half-woman insane creature hybrid called the Harpy. Um, oh. And she is able to beat the Hulk. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they eventually, she eventually kind of, everything gets solved and they get, they get, they get married. Um, but then she finds out that uh, Bruce Banner has been choosing to become the Hulk sometimes to fight bad guys. And she's like, mm. ah, I don't, how could you choose to be the Hulk when it's ruined my life? Um, they reconcile. She becomes pregnant. Uh, and then she has nightmares so bad, she loses the baby. And that's oh. a really weird thing that happens. So she is tormented by demonic creatures called Nightmare and Despair. Um, what happened is Peter David, who was a, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer who wrote The Hulk for many, many years, had this whole storyline about... Um, Hulk and Betty mm. having a baby together, but then the Marvel editors stepped in at the last minute and said, I know you've written lots of stories about her being pregnant, but we do not want the Hulk to have a baby as it will <laughs> make him appear to be older to the audience. It's just like when Spider-Man got married, yeah, wasn't got it? got married, yeah. yeah. Mm. So they took the issue away from Peter David. He was not... They threw his script away. Ooh. They rewrote his script and wrote a story where she miscarriages. Um and yeah, he was very unhappy about all of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, she's always been portrayed as quite as much more like strong-willed and independent than a lot of female love interests in Marvel. Um, yeah, and generally, I think r- right around the time this movie came out, um, she was transformed in the comics into not just a She-Hulk but a red She-Hulk. Um, the worst have- kind of She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Went on to have a series of adventures as the Red She-Hulk and 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 yeah stuff like that. We talked about the Red Hulk when we did. Uh, did did we ever talk about the Red Hulk? We very very briefly touched on it, and I said it was dumb. <laughs> it that's was all dumb. we've done. Because like, some it, things, it's because yeah. there's so much to talk about. Some things I kind of know they're going to do at some point in the future, mm. so I hold back on some of it, thinking, well, when they do the Red Hulk movie, I'll we'll talk about it then. Yeah, we'll see. Taking some clothes from Betty, Banner stays in her guest room with both of them unable to get to sleep, thinking about the other. At the military lab, 
Blonsky is prepped to receive a very small sample of the super soldier serum, which is injected into various points in his body, causing tremendous pain. That was that look that they made that, that look really painful. That I I was wincing watching that because I was. They think, talk about it being injected into the bone marrow. Didn't they? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I recently uh, I've been recently getting tattoo work done. Um, I got I got my shoulder. It, it all goes the way, and right there is basically a junction of nerves. And I was making a lot of noise. Mm. And, he, and my tattooist, who's a mate of mine, just kept going. As he calmly doing it, he just went, whose stupid idea was this again? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, sorry, anything to do with needles, I hate. Even though I get tattoos done, uh, yeah, I don't like needles. <laughs> but yeah, that looked very painful. The next morning, Betty and Bruce travel to the university campus, but Bruce catches sight of General Ross's troops pulling up in armoured Humvees. Bruce starts to run away as a platoon of soldiers and a fleet of jeeps storm across the campus. Alongside them, Blonsky, with enhanced speed and without any weapons, leads the men after Bruce, who ducks into one of the campus buildings. Not wanting Ross to recover the data, Banner swallows the memory stick. Now, say what you want about being injected with needles. Swallowing a memory stick! I don't know why, but I found that just as uncomfortable to watch. You can, I think we've all had to swallow really big pills or something, yeah. and so we can kind of feel that horrible feeling of it in the, in the, in the throat. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine how it is to be injected straight you know, into the bone marrow or into the spine or anything. But I, I know what it's uh, right. That's the theory behind a lot of um, simple wrestling moves. Right. One of the reasons that uh. in pro wrestling, the chop, which is when you do an open palm strike to the chest, yeah. is so uh, ubiquitous and used so much. Yeah. Um, or, or stamping on fingers and stuff like that. It's because the audience can't imagine what it's like to take a suplex. Yeah. You can imagine what it's like to be 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 slapped in the face or the chest or whatever. Um, so they kind of that's the a lot of those things are, are done to kind of trump a lot of the audience can imagine that kind of stuff. Okay, we got uh, engineering, boring facts, The Simpsons, video games, wrestling, and wrestling. We've got what, the what's, Full what's, House. What's is that a Full House? There must be full something house on the bingo card. No, I think that's it. I think that's all. Yeah. Of them. We need, we need more things for the full house. Anyway. <clears throat> Outside, Betty stands in front of an armoured personnel carrier, knowing her father is inside and pleads with him to stop. Stepping out and attempting to calm his daughter down, Ross spots Banner running across a glass walkway in between the campus building. Sorry, in between the campus buildings. Banner is trapped by soldiers on either side, with Ross giving the order to launch tear gas at Banner, who watches as Betty, running towards him, gets tackled by soldiers. As the gas fills the glass corridor, everyone watches as Banner transforms. Troops start fleeing when the Hulk bursts out of the glass walkway, with Blonsky watching in anticipation to fight the beast. Ross orders troops to fire at Hulk, which does nothing to stop the beast. So General Ross is leading the army against the Hulk, but what is Ross like in the comic books? General Ross. General Uh, Ross. Uh, Yeah, that Ross, yeah. (laughs) He's uh, the head of the Gamma Bomb project okay. uh, that Bruce Banner works on in that very first issue. Um, his daughter is there. Why would you bring your daughter? I don't know. Um, the, 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 I don't know. Yeah, she had nowhere else to go, Rob. The ice cream social was, was shut that day. And he, uh, he, like, he already doesn't like Bruce Banner. The fact that his daughter likes Bruce uh, yeah. deepens his dislike. He, in, in the first like, couple of panels, calls Bruce a weakling and a milksop. Um, milksop is an old 50s, 60s term for like Peter Parker's called a milksop quite a few times. It's, so is Clark Kent. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it like an old-fashioned way of calling him a soy boy? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, a milksop would yeah. literally be um, bread that you dip in milk to absorb a lot of milk. <sighs> and so it's bread that is can't stand up on its own. Ah. It just falls apart and is, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so milksop in the 50s and 60s is a term for uh, a weakling or a nerd or whatever. Mm. Um, so after Banner's transformation into the Hulk, Ross spends years chasing the monster, uh, refusing to ever concede that Banner might be misunderstood. He sets up a, a joint task force between the Army and the Air Force called the Hulk Busters, mm. whose primary job is to capture and destroy the Hulk. There's a whole base in New Mexico called uh, the Hulk Buster Base and things like that. He becomes, eventually, the Dr. Loomis of the Marvel Universe. Dr. Um, Loomis? Over the we t- we've done this exact exchange, yeah. uh, I think before. Over the course of the original Halloween movies, Doctor Loomis yes. is the yes. psychiatrist yeah. chasing down the only one that kind of the Don't. one that rants about how he's pure evil personified. No one listens to him. Yeah. By the end of those kind of original movies, Doctor Loomis has become just as insane or crazy, or maybe even more dangerous than Michael uh, Michael Myers because he's <laughs> he's just so. He's so desperate to kill this being, yeah. Um, and and General Ross becomes so obsessed with destroying the Hulk, mm. he becomes maybe even a bigger monster. Uh, he commits treason, oh. uh, he allies himself with the leader, with Modok, and with the Abomination to try and kill the Hulk. Um, it's just a lot imagine- like sorry. I was just uh, just imagining him like at Shield headquarters or whatever, talking to Nick Fury, going. I might have committed some light treason. <laughs> yeah. He has a, a lot of similarities, I think, in many ways to J. Jonah Jameson. Um, I was literally thinking that. I just see a grey-haired man with a moustache who hates the hero, and I think, this sounds like J. Jonah Jameson. And also, J. Jonah Jameson does, like, uh, like literally funds supervillains trying yes. to kill Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the end of the 70s, he's been dismissed from the military. He shows up drunk not drunk sorry that's just me he doesn't show up drunk he shows up at one of betty and bruce's weddings with a gun uh, oh. and it shoots rick jones by mistake and no he's later recruited by she oh yeah so he's recruited by shield right mm. to merge with an one of hulk's enemies an, an energy an electric energy monster called zax <laughs> how many zeds three <laughs> <laughs> zax um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All I'm thinking now is John Waters on The Simpsons with the little ray gun going zap from the car outside when Oba finds out he's gay. No idea what you're talking about, but cool. Um, Other people and will. so he gets merged with this energy being and gives him superpowers, but it makes him crazy and it goes on for a while. Um, and then eventually he, he witnesses, he has like a good ending, but mm. you know, they never get an ending in comics. So he. He finally witnesses um, the Hulk heroically like saving his daughter and a bunch of other people. Mm. And he goes, oh, God, I've been wrong this whole time about the Hulk. So he um, expends, he basically sacrifices himself to save Bruce Banner and his daughter. And he dies in Betty's arms, Ooh. giving his blessing to Bruce and Betty with his final words. Oh, wow. That was like a good arc. That's very good. 
But then the leader steals his body and reanimates him, <laughs> brings him back as a mindless soldier, and General Ross's story goes on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's the most typical Marvel thing I've ever heard of in my life. It's super pronounced in the Hulk, mm. no one ever stays dead. Yeah, yeah. Blonsky grabs grenade launcher and faces down the Hulk, blasting him with round after round of explosives. Hulk starts to block the shots with shards of metal from one of the vehicles, but Blonsky jumps in and starts firing a pistol at Hulk, showing incredibly incredible athletic prowess. Bit weird to go from a grenade launcher to a pistol at this point, but you know. Yeah, I like yeah. how the, the Hulk went. I'm gonna get a shield. Yeah, yeah, and then I like the way he's hanging off while doing it. That's cool, but I'm there going, mate. That's not gonna. Anyway. As the two fight, Ross calls for two jeeps armed with sonic cannons to fire at the Hulk. Did you notice anything about the sonic cannons? No. In the heads-up display as they're being deployed in yeah. one of their vehicles, we see these are Stark Industries sonic cannons. Oh, yes. Also, um, yeah. It- and we remember at the uh, uh, like uh, midway through the Iron Man movie... Hmm. Uh, Tony Stark says we're no longer making weapons for the military so yeah. he makes some non-lethal stuff ah uh, okay I also like the uh, it, don't worry I will get back onto reading the story but I, 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 I love the way that the sonic cannons are not mentioned there's no lead up like a little scene going oh we're going to get the sonic cannons ready they just bring them out they just bring them out in the middle of a fight and, and it's like okay great this, this is cool yeah cool. I think people get what they are someone just says use the sonic cannons everyone knows what a sonic yeah. cannon is don't they yeah the sonic weapons are effective as Hulk is overwhelmed and held in place, experiencing utter agony. Betty screams at her father to stop, but the general ignores her. Everyone watches as Hulk slowly we'll grabs... We'll find you someone else, sweetie. Don't worry. Once I kill your boyfriend, <laughs> on match.com. Go back to the other boyfriend, the one who looks really old. Looks, <laughs> he's got an old-looking face, but young hair. <laughs> Uh, everyone watches as Hulk slowly grabs one of the shards of metal and throws it at one of the sonic cannons, slicing it and the jeep in two before slamming into the other cannon with his body. Blonsky slowly approaches Hulk and confidently asks, Is that all you got? Before Hulk brutally kicks him. That was I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it was was it was it was like he's like a rag doll. He launches Blonsky about a hundred meters into a tree seemingly killing him it was it did feel like puny god it did feel a bit had that energy to it it's fun it was it was fun it felt it built like the indiana jones uh swing in the sword shoot the guy oh god you you know that scene was done because they had dysentery yeah Yeah, i love that fact (laughs) Uh, i don't think anyone who has seen that movie hasn't heard that fact from the the person watching the movie with them yeah you do it's it's like it's like when they when everyone plays the Plays uh, that, that, that song by the Pogues, and someone goes, Oh, you know, she died in a speedboat accident. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Leonard Sampson rushes towards the chaos, calling out for Betty, who approaches the Hulk, asking for Bruce. As Hulk looks at her calmly, an Apache gunship starts firing at them both, with Ross ordering them to hold fire in case they kill his daughter. An enraged Hulk throws a shows a shard of metal at the helicopter, downing it before it rolls into a fireball at him and Betty, engulfing them in flames. Out of the fire, General Ross sees Hulk carrying the body of Betty away. Now, this is an early Marvel film, and, it, you know, I, 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 I didn't think of it as MCU at the time, but, you know, it is an MCU film. This is an outstanding scene. 
Oh, yeah. The, the, the escalation, the way it concludes, everything about it is brilliant. It's just yeah. so good. I'm not sure about Leterrier as a director. Um, yeah, I looked at but, his other films. He was it the transporter films he did or something. Yeah, but, mainly but mindless the, the action a, films. The action, the action sequences are brilliant. They're really yeah. well put together. Yeah, yeah. There's some really good touches here. Go back to the Sonic cannons. Uh, uh, is 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 Sonic weapons Hulk's weakness? I mean, I don't know if that's been established at all, <laughs> but you know. Oh well, they certainly they 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 kind of hurt without having to like bypass his skin or his strength you know mm. so there's something going on there um but it's it's a difficult one like like i think in general there are lots of things that can slow him down like adamantium mm. can pierce his skin yeah vibranium can pierce his skin yeah but you know he's got a healing factor greater than wolf oh well i say that yeah. i'm thinking of the real wolverine not, not the real i just thinking of that a classic version of wolverine not the kind of the new one not not the um, wolverine where it's like there, yeah, there's a toenail left and somehow it grows back yeah oh wow um, <laughs> and as and the angrier hulk gets mm. the 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 less adamantium weapons can actually pierce his skin mm. um sedative gas and stuff like that might work until he's angry um you know so sedative gas yeah things that can nullify the 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 rage mystic attacks sometimes but not always Mm. um cosmic radiation has been shown to be the it's described in marvel as being the opposite of gamma radiation they are the opposing they're kind of like two opposing forces okay cosmic rays and gamma rays and Cosmic rays have been shown to weaken the Hulk, mm. and even turn him back into Bruce Banner. Yeah. Um, but by and large, that he, it, you might be able to slow him. You can't kill the Hulk. Is the is the thing as well that the the the, the brand new revelations in the Immortal Hulk series mm. that uh, the Hulk dies, and so there's a mystic element to Gamma. Which mm. is never been um, discovered until very recently. <laughs> what you mean in in the comics? Yeah, I was about to say. Of course, not real life. It's like it's only mystic because Stanley doesn't understand science. No, no, no. It's, it's a very recent. Um, oh, okay, sorry, very sorry, recent sorry, sorry. thing that's been put in. Yeah. Basically, a, a writer came along, Al Ewing, I think, in, in the recently with this Immortal Hulk series, and the plan for this series was mm. the Hulk has died and come back from the dead more times than any other hero. And all his supporting cast have died and come back as well. Betty, mm. General Ross, everyone, yeah. Doc Samson, everyone. So he basically went, well, that needs to be the next story. And they're the, one of the big... And, I, and, and the, also, the thing that he also looked at is how come like everyone that gets infected by gamma radiation, it unlocks like a deep hidden part of their personality or their past... Mm. It's not like the like Cyclops doesn't. Cyclops wasn't a guy like who uh, I don't know. Uh, no, okay, Angel. Angel wasn't a guy who always wanted to fly, mm. and then when he got mutated, he gains wings. But with Gamma, that happens all the time, <laughs> all the time. What like whatever is a deep festering like Bruce Banner feels like a weak puny weakling his whole life. Mm. When he gets radiated by Gamma, he becomes. The, a deepened part of his psyche becomes the Hulk, right? Mm. So this mystical element to Gamma 
is exposed in the Immortal Hulk series, and it's connected to um, a dimension. Everyone that's infected by gamma, gamma mutates when they die. They go to this odd realm, um, mm. and uh, which is kind of a, a, a multiversal layer right at the very bottom. And they go through something called the Green Door, which will lead them back to the real world, and oh, they'll be God. reborn. Um, and just in that series, you will murder Bruce Banner, cut his head off, no problem. But as soon as you do that, he comes back as the Hulk, and he will kill you. <laughs> um, and there's lots of this uh, this kind of... Um, the one below all is this kind of terrifying being at the bottom that is somehow mystically connected to Gamma and uses mm. Gamma to connect himself to all these different mutates like the Hulk. And So, yeah, you, you can't really destroy the Hulk. Um, you, every time you say Gamma, it slowly turns into Gammon in my head. I keep hearing Gammon. I think it's appropriate in this Hulk episode about trying to be a better man, Will, that uh, <laughs> you... All of you out there, look inward and ask yourselves, how can I be a better person? Because inside each of his will is a raging, selfish monster. Mm. And it is especially inside each and every one of you out there, because listening to this podcast and not giving back is the act of a big green monster, right? Listening to this podcast week in and week out, downloading hours of incredible trivia, incredible history, incredible entertainment, without even saying thank you, Will. <laughs> monstrous, monstrous behavior. But you can be a better person. There's a way you can soothe the raging, selfish beast inside all of you. And you can do it by going to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, where there's tons of ways to support this podcast. And in exchange, you'll get access to amazing rewards. Support will starts at just three Brexit pounds a month. Mm -hmm. That is the cost of a drink. It's like buying me and Will a coffee once a month. I mean, that's not, that's barely a thank you. That's just like an acknowledgement. I mean, God, that's not even that's not a real thank you, but we'll take it. We'll take three pounds a month. <laughs> and you can go up through the tiers and you can get all the way up to that wonderful level where you're getting um, access to uh, full-length bonus shows. But what's available are fun mini-shows every month. There's early access to every show. There's bonus episodes that deep-dive full Marvel stories. And there's exclusive video content for the top-tier players as well. Mm. You know, 70 bonus episodes available right now Did you know that Will? 70, 70 bonus seven episodes zero bonus episodes Up and, on and you, our and Patreon you pe- And you people out there aren't paying for, for these I, I've heard people We get messages from people sometimes saying When's the next episode? Like, and we'll be like, well, we're two weeks out. But if you sign up, you can get them. You can. There's seventy episodes to listen to. This you month, people. we. I know, right? They've got that jealous, that, that 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 selfish, sorry, green monster inside all of them, and they need to really take steps now to cure themselves. Just like Bruce Banner is looking for a cure, and the cure is at Patreon.com/slash/Marvel versus Marvel. This month, we release War of Kings. As Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 arrives in cinemas, our bonus show for this month takes a deep dive into the most explosive Guardian story of all time, War of Kings. Mm. The Galactic Empire of the Shi'ar has a powerful and dangerous new leader, a figure from the X-Men's past, a dark secret Charles Xavier has been trying to keep hidden. 
This person is now on the throne of the Shi'ar Empire and is going to war with the Kree Empire. An intergalactic war, a star war, if you will, that could tear <laughs> the fabric of the universe apart and end all of reality. The Guardians, the X-Men, the Inhumans, they're all involved. Everyone gets together in this epic, epic battle. War of Kings, Star-Lord, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Gamora, Drax, and a whole host of others uh, in this incredible big crossover Marvel event. That's just one of 70 that you'll get. There are thirty over 35 full-length bonus episodes. There's over 30 mini-shows up there. Early access to every episode, main show that we do. It's all waiting for you as a thank you if you support this community, if you support this podcast. We don't subject you to intrusive adverts. We don't try and sell you mattresses or erection pills. We're not here to do anything but give you Marvel history, Marvel facts, and content. But we can only do it with the support of you guys out there. A drink a month is not a big ask when we're delivering hours and hours and hours for you guys to listen Mm. to and binge through every single week. So get on board, patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Outside Betty's house, General Ross thanks Leonard Sampson for tipping him off about the Hulk's whereabouts, but Sampson is upset by Frost's flagrant disregard for his own daughter's safety. Out in the forest, Hulk carries the unconscious body of Betty Ross to a cave to shelter away from the rain. Waking up, Betty is startled to be faced with a huge beast, but realises it's actually Bruce under there and starts calling his name. The lightning outside startles Hulk, and he goes into a rage, with Betty calming him down and leading him slowly back to the cave. This is a nicely done turn to scene, I thought. Hulk sc- raging at the rain is really funny and also relatable as well. I really like it. <laughs> Especially yesterday, I hated it. So Leonard Sampson, uh, he is a character for the comic books, isn't he? Is, does he have a different name, if I remember right? Doc Sampson. Doc Sampson, man <clears throat> of steel. Introduced in 1971, mm. um, he's this wonderful character. He, he's introduced as like the annoying, perfect version of Gamma Powers. Mm. Um, so Banner had um, cured himself um, and was no longer the Hulk. And when he did that, Sampson is like, ah, oh, I know what the problem with the uh, the Hulk was. He had too much Gamma. I'm just going to mm. have a little taste. So he gives himself a small dose of Gamma and it turns him into this, like, really hence muscular, you know, super strong guy. But it doesn't become a monster. His hair turns green. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I remember from the pictures. He's got long green ponytail. At the mm. early days, his strength was determined by the length of his hair. You know, Samson, right? <laughs> like from the Bible. But they got rid of that pretty quickly. They went, that's yeah, just a bit mad. That's um, all the nose. So he, he then starts turning Betty Ross's head because he's super ripped and strong, but he's also smart and sensitive. He's a he's a therapist. Mm. Um, he's the total package because um, Bruce is not not sensitive. He's not what I just did. He understands nothing about his own anger and selfishness and any of that. And Doc Sampson really does. And he goes around wearing this really tight, super tight, low-cut red shirt with a yellow lightning bolt design in it. So it's it's like normal clothing, I guess, but it does look like a, a bit of a superhero costume. Very mm-hmm. cool. A super jealous Bruce Banner 
decides mm. the only way to stop this carrying on with this Gamma freak is to expose himself to Gamma once again and become the Hulk once again, which he does. Um, and Doc Samson feels very, very guilty about all of this because he's treating Bruce for his um, his, his his entirely effed up brain. Mm. Um, so he feels very guilty about the role he played in, in his patient becoming the Hulk again. And So Samson would then kind of make it his personal mission to help Bruce Banner and the Hulk over the years. Mm. He'd work alongside the S.H.I.E.L.D. and he'd fight. You know, he could have a bit of a fight, dust up with, with Hulk. Um, but his main thing was psychoanalysis. Mm. Um, he actually diagnoses Bruce Banner uh, with um, at the time, you know, we call it DID now, but multiple personality disorder. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. He he's able to, uh, yeah, go in through Bruce's memories and dreams and and learn all about Bruce's um, abusive childhood and things. Oh, and then man. in the early nineties, do you remember the Ringmaster from the Circus of <laughs> Crime? Yes, I remember the Ringmaster. The Ringmaster uh, has a top hat with a swirly, swirly pattern on that hypnotizes people. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, Doc Samson uses that to uh, subject Bruce Banner to hypnotherapy. And with the Ringmaster's help, he begins this process of... he he The, the multiple personality disorder is that mm. there is Bruce Banner, yeah. and there is this savage, childlike, green Hulk. Mm. Then there's this... Uh, gangster called the Joe Fixit, the Grey Hulk. Yep, yep, yep. There's all these different personalities that Bruce has created over the years, um, and so Doc Samson works with the hypnosis to integrate all these personalities into one. Um, and what happens is we get a brand new merged Hulk um, mm. that starts to call himself the Professor, and he has all of Bruce Branner's uh, intelligence. Um, and genius. He has all of the street smarts and cunning of the Grey Hulk Joe Fixit. Yeah. But he also has the appearance, uh, well, he has the size, the strength, and the power of the Savage Hulk. Mm. Um, he, he he gets this, he just looks very suave. He's got a great jawline. Yeah. He's got cool guy hair. Um, and that is the Hulk from the uh, from the 90s, for well, the early 90s for a period, it, the Professor. Is that what they did uh, eventually in Endgame? I don't know. I mean, yeah. he calls himself some. Does he call himself Professor or something? I don't know. But, he might but he, do. Doc Green, something odd. Uh, maybe because it it's, it it's, be it's an odd banner in Hulk's body, and yeah. he doesn't go back, which is very much like the Professor, the merged Hulk. But yeah. it, it 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 doesn't that that character doesn't have any of the complexity of the Hulks in the comic books layered psychotherapy. Yeah. Because the guys they don't have that they they don't have that backstory. No, he just becomes a green guy. That's it, it. He, he just becomes a, a Venn diagram. <laughs> the next day, Ross visits Emil Blonsky in hospital, who lies in intensive care after his encounter with the Hulk. However, as Ross leaves, Blonsky wakes up and starts moving. In the cave, Betty wakes up next to an unconscious Bruce and helps him to a motel to get back on his feet. In the shower, Bruce starts having flashbacks and collapses in fear and pain. Betty returns with some groceries and a new heart rate monitor, while Bruce vomits the memory stick back up that he swallowed before turning into the Hulk. That's a better option than the other one. Like they yeah. depicted the other one, really. That's a less sieve by the loo. <laughs> <laughs> Just go and That's... take a dump into that sieve. See if you can catch it. <laughs> 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 I can't. <laughs> 
I can't continue. I can't. Okay. If you've got kids, you'll know. You'll know. They yeah, all, they've I, swallowed something important. I remember swallowing a coin once. That was fun. Uh, back at the headquarters, back at his headquarters, Ross watches in dismay as the news media reports on the incident at Colby University, with many bystanders claiming to have seen the Hulk. I like the big purple pants. They get a yeah. little nod here. That was a great That's little nice. nod. Yeah. It's like, it's like that bit in X-Men where he goes, what are you expecting? Yellow spandex. I didn't like that line in Nick X-Men. Didn't. Didn't no, because like, no, I went, yes, I am expecting yellow spandex. Superhero costumes for superheroes. You gaudy BDMS weirdos. <laughs> I do agree German with you. clubs. <laughs> That's the establishment. Well, they're anyway. dancing X-Men, yeah. Oh, yeah, leather jackets. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I own leather jackets. Leave me out of this. And my wife is German. Uh, in the Marvel comics, the general public, they don't know that Bruce Banner is the Hulk, right? They just know the Hulk is this thing, and then Bruce Banner's on a future tier who's hiding his identity. And I think, I, nah, by, by like the, no, by the, by the 70s, maybe even by the end of the 60s, it's common knowledge. Yeah, um, that makes sense. The general public. Like, I don't know if there's any definitive issue where it gets leaked. So, uh, in 1966, so a couple of years after he, he's he's been uh, doing the Hulk thing, mm. he was created. Rick Jones thinks that the Hulk has died on an adventure, mm. and he's very emotional and, and grieving. And he kind of tells everyone. He tells uh, Betty Ross and mm. Thunderbolt Ross and Glenn Talbot. He's like, "You, he's dead. You've killed him. It was." The Hulk was Bruce Banner all along, and Bruce Banner's dead. And then Bruce just comes back from wherever he's been. He's like, what's happened now? Um, up until that point, Bruce Banner had a secret identity. He kept having to like run off, become mm. the Hulk, uh, using his secret cave. <laughs> um, the Hulk cave. But then the um, once the, the military know, the federal government knows, mm. that's when Bruce Banner goes on the run. And mm. that's the that that's a really it's not there at the start, but that becomes a really key factor. It's not it's it's so much better than Hulk being in one place, like mm. it, Bruce Banner on the run as the fugitive, mimicking that TV series. That's good. That's really mm. good. Um, and uh, so I don't think there's a definitive like issue or moment when that gets leaked from the military slash government to the general public, but it pretty pretty soon becomes like a, an essential part of the Marvel universe. Everyone knows what uh, they probably all know what he looks like, so it's very hard for him to kind of move around. He's always hiding. Makes me think of what Kevin Feige says about the, the first Iron Man film, where he's like, "Yeah, we're not doing secret identities unless they're really yeah. needed." It's like, yeah, fair play. At the motel, Bruce and Betty share a tender moment. But as Bruce gets excited, his heart rate monitor goes off and he stops. <laughs> I was tempted to say it goes off before he does. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> sorry, that's an old Space Balls joke. And he stops Betty, explaining that if they continue, he'll change. He can't it, it, do this. Right. Look, I'm a big lad. <laughs> and I don't want to brag. But I have known the touch of a woman a few times in my life. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I've been a few places. I've seen a few things. I don't think I've... I've had the kind of sex that would make my heart rate go up to 200 BPM. Um, it's Liv Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still... She's not my type, really, but I still yeah, think there are lots of casual ways of just having a... I just... I don't believe... I just don't mm. believe... I, I don't know how energetic he's going to be. Maybe he's into tantric. 
Well, that's his own fault. Him and Sting. That's his own fault. <laughs> Him and Sting becoming Hulks. <laughs> anyway. Eddie- <laughs> Sorry. At his headquarters, Ross is surprised to be greeted with Emil Blonsky, who has miraculously recovered from his wounds. When asked how he feels, Blonsky says he's ready for round three. Back at the motel, Bruce briefs Beth. Why did I write this? Bruce briefs Betty <laughs> on what they need to do to stay low key. Briefing his personnel, Ross tells his subordinates to monitor internet traffic for a Mr. Blue and a Mr. Green, the alias used by Banner. As he's saying this, Bruce has already sent an email to Mr. Blue to meet up. As the email is sent off, it is intercepted by S.H.I.E.L.D., allowing Ross's men to match Mr. Blue to his true identity. Dr. Samuel Stearns, a cellular biologist at Greyburn College, New York City. I completely forgot there's a S.H.I.E.L.D. presence in this movie. It just... Again, any time any of these people that talk about, oh, we don't really know—is it a reboot or is it a sequel? It's very—it's not even part of the MCU. It's very clearly a part of the MCU. Shield, Stark, everything. It's—it's—it makes so much sense. Ready to meet Mister Blue, Betty drives Banner to New York City, discussing how his transformation feels along the way. With Banner saying he doesn't want to control his power; he wants to get rid of it. Waking up hours later by Betty, Bruce sees a police checkpoint ahead that's obviously looking for him. Ditching their car on the freeway, they charter a small boat into Manhattan. After an incredibly stressful cab journey, Bruce and Betty meet Dr. Stearns outside his campus. Inviting them back into his office, Stearns discusses what they can do to either minimise or eliminate Banner's transformation because the slightest overload of the proposed cure could kill him. Even with the risks explained to him, Dr. Stearns is more than eager to work at curing Banner of his affliction. Back at the base, Blonsky starts to undergo a transformation as he prepares to board a helicopter with his men bound for New York City. The immensely stressful cab journey was a very nice touch, especially Bruce offering Betty advice on how to control her anger straight after. (laughs) And it's also good, Uh, like, for, I guess, for kind of how the movie's sort of maybe ends is that mm. betty is trying to say to him look you could work out a way of controlling this and adapting to your new life and bruce refuses to accept that this is not going to be my life i do not i will not control this i will just Mm. get rid of it and that's kind of the journey in this movie isn't it oh man's control desire to control his surroundings oh always the Mm. same also tim blake nelson oh he's an absolute joy isn't he tim blake nelson uh, maybe. I, really, I, I just, I, I just, don't, I don't, there's nothing I see him in where I go, oh, what? He's okay. He's okay. Yeah. I like him. He's very well, folksy. He's very folksy. I, I wouldn't, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, but I would not have made me to write down, Tim Blake Nelson. I love, I would never react like that to this guy. I would go, oh, yeah, it's that guy. That's, there's, there's like me and two other people who would, but that, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm representing them here today. So. Uh, you, you said this on social media the other day uh, while I was on my way. I, I did not. To an- sit- just, just, way Will pitches this makes it sound like I announced this. This has been out for a long, long time. We have been you, waiting for Rob you, to announce this. You heard this from me the other day, but. And I yeah. got excited. Uh, we know that uh, Samuel Stearns and Betty Ross are returning in Captain America New World Order, which I'm, I'm even more excited for this now. Played by these actors as well. It's all amazing. The same. But let's talk about Samuel Stearns. What can you tell us? Uh, he's introduced in uh, 1964. Mm-hmm. Um, 
by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko once Jack Kirby has left the failing comic. Um, <laughs> he's, um, he's a janitor. Uh, oh. He is not a cellular scientist. He's a janitor um, or a labourer, I think. I think it's a mixture of both. He's kind of like he works in a menial capacity at a chemical plant, surrounded by very intelligent people. Mm. Um, and I think even his brother works there as a researcher, but that might have been a later edition. Yeah. Um, he he. It's he just hates and despises everyone around him. He thinks they all think they're better than him because they're smart, and he's you know mm. not very smart, and he has a manual job or a janitorial yeah. job, whatever. Yeah. One day he's transporting radioactive materials. There's an explosion, and it bombards him with gamma radiation, um, mm. which turns all his skin green, and he abnormally enlarges his cranium and brain Ooh. to giant. I don't know if you know Dan Dare. Dan Dan Dare that rings a bell. Pilot of the future. Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> the Eagle. You ever read the Eagle comic as a kid? Nope. Nope. Does he, not he ring. Was in 2008 as well for a bit. Dan Dare, Pilot of the Future. He's like probably mm. the most famous British comic book character of all time. Him okay. and Roy of the Rovers. He's ah uh, Roy, very famous. <laughs> um, he had a, a Martian villain called Megan who had a giant green head, and the yeah. leader similar. Um, mm. And uh, he has just a, a, a superhuman intellect, um, which is, uh, yeah. So it's like meant to be the yin to the yang of the Hulk. Mm. When the Hulk becomes transformed, he's kind of a, a smart guy that becomes dim-witted, but very strong. Yeah. Samuel Stearns, in his gamma form, is super intelligent. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a thread that would be picked up on, as I said, over the years later. Mm. So gamma makes puny Bruce Banner the Hulk. And it makes dim-witted Samuel Stearns a super genius. So in that recent Immortal Hulk series, we learn that there's this mystic component to, to whatever gamma radiation does. Um, and th- those mutated by gamma are referred to as metaphor people. Because it transforms them into something hidden in their psyche. That <laughs> external mutation is a metaphor for whatever's been going on inside them. Yeah. I like that. Um, and so Samuel Stearns calls himself the leader. Um, mm. And he tries to overthrow the United States government, which brings him into conflict with the Hulk. Um, and, uh, and and kind of, yeah, off we go to the races. So he's superhumanly intelligent, capable of knowledge and comprehension beyond any regular human ability. Um, mm. And just as the Hulk has the potential for limitless strength, which we'll get to later, the leader has the potential for limitless intelligence. Mm. Um, he's capable of mastering every subject on, in the world, adopting concepts that are alien and foreign to anyone around him or himself. He's created technology way beyond human ability, flying vehicles, laser pistols, mm. all sorts of stuff. Um, he's particularly adept at genetic engineering and manipulation um, and manipulating mm. radiation as well. He's created an army of synthetic henchmen called the humanoids um, that are kind of, they're cybernetic, they're, they're part mm. cloned and part and part robotic. Um, he also has some telekinetic and telepathic powers as well you can mm. hypnotize people control you know some some ordinary people's minds mind white people but kind of despite all of this his limitless intelligence that he has mm. 
Um, his effectiveness is greatly hampered by the fact that he is a pathetic little like his actual personality is horrific so he's hampered by his own arrogance his own <laughs> impatience and his obsession with the hulk which yeah. causes him to lose focus on what he should be doing and he loses focus on he loses sight of necessary details in his plans mm. it makes him act prematurely he ruins his own schemes um, because once he's defeated by the Hulk, a brute of low intelligence, he's obsessed with the guy. He's like, I cannot be defeated by someone that is barely more intelligent than I used to be. Um, and and yeah, that's his driving force. Cool villain. Yeah, fun. I'm looking for. I, I assume we're going to see him in, in villain form in the Captain America uh, film. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just looking. I'm, I'm so excited now. In Stern's lab, Bruce is prepped and strapped in as the Doctor gets the procedure in order. All they need to do is trigger a transformation and then use the antidote to counter it. Using electroshock, Stern triggers Banner to transform into the Hulk. Banner writhes on the table, bulking <laughs> and breaking his restraints. While Stern's, sorry, while Stern's tries to activate the antidote, Betty tries to calm Bruce down. The antidote starts to mix with Banner's blood and he slowly turns back to normal. The test is a success, but Stearns warns Banner that the antidote may only reverse each transformation and is not a permanent cure. Has a uh, has Bruce Banner ever found a cure for the Hulk? Yeah, several times. Um, we talked about this time quite early on, where mm. he he has a, a way. Well, he can't cure it, but he can control it. Yeah. Um, and then Reed Richards comes up with a cure at one point that he administers, um, but then. Uh, the leader and like so, uh, Bruce is cured for the Hulk by by Reed Richards. He gets pardoned by the United States government when he explains what the Hulk is all about. He can lead a regular life. Mm. He gets m married to Betty Ross, but on their wedding day, the leader turns up, shoots him with a ray gun that turns him back into the Hulk. And ah, no. Um, and then he's cured another time, and that's the time we talked about where. Uh, he gets jealous of Doc Samson, and mm. so he uh, exposes himself to gamma radiation, goes back to being the Hulk again. So, yeah, it's been in a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. As Blonsky's helicopter flies through New York City, Dr. Stearns tries to explain how the cure works, but lets slip about other test subjects, prompting Bruce to ask about them. Outside, troops gather in the street, ready to storm the building. In a cryogenic storage room, Stearns reveals that he's been able to synthesize Bruce's blood, which he believes can be used to better mankind. As Blonsky leads troops into the building, Bruce tells Stern that the blood is too dangerous and needs to be destroyed in case Ross, or worse, gets hold of it. But Stearns argues that with the antidote, the blood is fine. But Bruce tells him that the government doesn't want the antidote. They want to use his blood as a weapon. The next second, Bruce is shot with a dart by a sniper out the window. Emil Blonsky enters the room and apprehends Bruce, allowing the troops to take Banner into custody. As Bruce is taken away, Betty tells her father that she'll never forgive what Ross has done to Bruce in order to protect his career and to never speak to her again. Uh, Samuel Stern's scream when Bruce gets shot with a dart <laughs> made me laugh. It's like, Bruh! Yeah. That was definitely played for laughs. Uh, has the US military uh, ever been able to create gamma-powered soldiers in the comics? It sounds like something that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They first appear in the World War Hulk kind of um, crossover event when the Hulk ah. is uh, attacking everybody. Um, they're called the Gamma Corps. 
Um, yes, I remember now. Yeah. And these actually, I, I, I must admit, I thought they were. I originally thought they were created by um, the Abominations DNA, but I'm. I think I'm wrong. I'm. 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 I now. I'm. If I remember correctly, it's to do with um, they. The government retrieve mm. Hulk DNA from the scene of a fight he has with Wolverine. Okay, and then they select individuals whose lives have in some way been ruined by the Hulk. This is like a revenge squad, which is quite a common theme in um, super villain stuff. You'll have, um, I think the Superman revenge squad might be the first. It's kind mm. of like this, they, they, they can pick these, you'll have these, it's not just like um, a super villain who's out to be evil. They'll find ways of saying this superhero destroyed this other person's life directly or indirectly and now mm. they're coming for him and there's a whole bunch of them that are going to do the same oh wow um so there's a bunch of super soldiers there is they have odd odd i think they're meant to be military connected uh code names so um gray is the first one and mm. this is uh brian talbot the younger brother of glenn talbot glenn talbot yeah um he's created with a mixture of hulk dna and leader dna um, to kind of balance out the Hulk's rage with mm. an intelligence. With a, with a um, terrible personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, and each of them... Okay, I'll go through the rest. And there's Griffin, who mm. is um, a private in the army. He is formerly... This is the second reference and appearance of this group of the of the show. He is formerly the evil clown from the Circus of Crime. Oh no! He he receives um, Betty Ross DNA um, from when she's the harpy, and he becomes the man harpy, um, the Marpy, uh, the Griffin. Um, yeah. And yeah, he has um, sharp claws and talons and can spit um, corrosive venom. Then there is Mess. Just take that in. That's his superhero name. M-E-S-S. A female, sorry, this is is her name, Mess. Uh, Corporal Nicole Martin. Um, She and her son were caught in the the sideline of a battle between the Hulk and the Abomination. Um, And because of this Hulk, they were trapped in their car. Her son burned to death in the car fire. Whoa. She was horribly scarred. Um, and she, parts of her body that were damaged have been replaced with cloned abomination parts. Mm. So she, parts of her body, she is a mess, is the idea. Ah, so she right, has right, right. abomination cloned like arms and stuff. And mm. yeah, that's her. Then there is um, Prodigy, uh, Private Timothy Wilkerson. Um, so he's just created using the leader's DNA. Um and and he was oh yeah he's uh right so while he was in the womb his mother was so frightened by a battle the Hulk had that she suffered a stroke that adversely affected her son's development. Oof. Uh, that son then was artificially aged up to be an adult and got leader DNA. He has mm. telepathic powers and stuff like that. And then, quite interestingly, there's Mr. Gideon, um, which is Gideon Wilson, a former Catholic minister who is um, has the same physical powers of Doc Samson. So he is not monstrous. Um, He's a super strong dude. Mm. Um, Gideon Wilson is Sam Wilson's older brother. Older brother, the the father's Uh, older brother. 
Amazing. And the father of Jim Wilson. Now, Jim Wilson is a character for a, a while in the 90s in Hulk comics, a friend of the Hulks and Rick Jones, who died from AIDS in the 90s in a very emotional storyline. Oh, God. Um, during the storyline, as he knows he's dying in hospital, he asks the Hulk for a blood transfusion, hoping that the gamma blood would destroy mm. the AIDS virus. But Hulk refused because he just thought it would put him through endless pain and it would be a horrible end. Um, Gideon blames the Hulk for his son's death, um, comes out of the Catholic uh, ministry and uh, becomes this kind of Doc Samson-level dude. Um, yeah, so that is like the Hulk Revenge Squad, the Gamma Corps. Um so they're not used to like you know work for the military and do cool military stuff that the military might need help with. It's just to get revenge on the Hulk, um, <laughs> and one by one they all come to realize that this is nothing to do with the Hulk. And the, or, I think except for maybe uh, Brian Talbot, but yeah, I think all of them they all realize mm. I've made a terrible mistake. I am a horrible person. Yeah. Bloody hell. Interrogated by Ross's second-in-command, Major Kathleen Spar, Stern explains that he can't repeat the same process to turn someone else into a Hulk. The next second, Spar is knocked out by Polonsky, who then, who then coerces Stern to inject him with Banner's blood, ignoring Stern's warnings that mixing Banner's blood with the super-soldier serum already in Polonsky's body could create an abomination. Stramps, strapping Blonsky in, the procedure goes awry, turning the soldier into a hulking beast, knocking Stearns back into his equipment. The doctor lies there as a drop of Banner's blood from a vial drips into the open wound in his head, triggering a transformation. This was all wonderfully... Like, this is mm. so neatly done. Yeah. This is a much better origin for Abomination than the comic book. And then to tie, like, the super soldier serum and the mix with the blood, that's really... and it, Like, mm. that it's... It's not the intended result. It will make you an abomination. Mm. And then the Sterns, you know, being getting transformed at the same time. Very, yeah. very, very good stuff. Very good stuff. Blonsky has become a monstrous abomination and leads a trail of destruction in the streets outside as General Ross's men pursue, mistaking him for the Hulk. Ross watches on the street screens out inside his helicopter as abomination causes terror on the streets of Harlem. Looking at this mess... Banner asks General Ross if it's one of his, as the general looks on in regret. Uh, interesting little cameo, if you watch this. Uh, spotted Michael K. Williams during the abomination scene. Oh, wow. Yeah, Michael K. Williams is there. According to an interview with uh, Williams leading up to the film's release, he said, It was a blast working with Ed Norton. He's from Baltimore, so he really felt passionate about The Wire, which is, of course, set in Baltimore, and what we did as a whole. He specifically created this role for me in The Hulk. It's just very flattering and humbling. That's really awesome. And yeah. As we talked about earlier, this is the, uh, the, the year the last episode has. Last, what, what, what a connection. Of course, Michael K. Williams sadly passed on. Great actor. Lo bloody love him in The Wire. So, we have Abomination. So, I think now's the time to talk about Emil Blonsky. Uh, obviously, uh, I take it he is a comic book character uh, who then becomes Abomination in the comics. Yeah, yes. He's a KGB agent. Um, he's a... Uh, um, uh, at the time it was Yugoslavia uh, that he was from. Now oh. I believe it would be Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. Um, yes, but he's a communist KGB agent that infiltrates an air force base in New Mexico where Bruce Banner mm. um, is attempting to kill the Hulk through overexposure of gamma rays. What's mm. happened is, do you remember that bloke who 
Remember that alien bloke who nicked Magneto and flew off with him? The stranger. Oh, rings a bell, yeah, yeah. He yeah. makes another appearance here. And at this page, this stage, what he does is he manages to like mind control the Hulk to his he basically he's an alien and he thinks radiation is super bad and humans are super dangerous because they've yeah. invented radiation. So he mind controls the Hulk and is like, You must destroy mankind, but only the Hulk. Bruce Banner's fine. So Banner is like, ah, every time I turn into the Hulk, he is following this alien's commands. I have to kill myself. So he sets up all this gamma stuff to kill himself with gamma. Bruce Banner's never, he, he doesn't think conventional means can kill him. Mm. Uh, Blonsky uh, sees his equipment and is like, I'll have that. <laughs> and he just <laughs> bombards himself with uh, a higher, higher, higher dose of mm. gamma radiation than um, uh, Bruce Banner had. And mm. it transforms him into a lizard like creature. Um, the uh. abomination. Um, so he's similar to the Hulk. In, in fact, to begin with, he's meant to be um, as strong as the Hulk and then half as strong again. Oh. So 50% uh, stronger than the Hulk. Okay, it's like uh, I, I was trying to calculate that. I calculated yeah. a completely different way. Um, he's meant to be that much stronger and and and, uh, and, and tougher than the Hulk. Mm. Um, healing factor, strength, speed, stamina, all of that. Um, but he actually retains his intelligence um, when he transforms. He cannot ah. go back into human form, though. He's just the abomination all the time. Um, oh. Wow. Yeah. But he's got Emil Blonsky's mind and cunning and everything. And gills. Mm. He's got gills <laughs> in the neck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he goes into suspended animation quite quickly. Like, if it's very cold or he's in space, because he happens to go to space an awful lot, he hits into... He doesn't die. He goes into suspended animation for a long period of time. Um, mm. He's not really... He won. <laughs> I think, like, his, after he fights the Hulk a few times, uh, he next appears when a coven of witches summon him to fight the Silver Surfer, which is a great sentence. Um yeah. Thor eventually he gets he, I think he gets kidnapped by the stranger and he la ends up on the stranger's world which is essentially like a giant like um petri dish full of weird radioactive creatures and um Thor comes and helps them all out and saves them all and frees them all and then Thor like works out oh wait a minute you're all evil uh, and so <laughs> Thor um uses Mjolnir to go back in time. Hey, guess what? That's a thing Thor can apparently do once and never again. Um Well like the Hulk <laughs> flying. <laughs> uh no, the Hulk fly the, I, we I'm can't we we yeah, we'd have to go into that episode that they can't listen to. Because it's only on Patreon. But anyway. Yeah, there you go. But he can time travel just the once though. Um <laughs> and uh all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Ugh. he 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 um he generally just becomes like he's just a physical threat. He's not like a great mm. villain. He's good for a fight, um, but he's not. Yeah, I don't know. He's not like um, a tremendously wonderful villainous character. Mm. Um, he's a good physical threat. That's kind of a, about it. He, he has he's just one very 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 heinous thing, which we'll talk about perhaps a bit later on. But yeah, he's um, he's and and as the Hulk gets stronger over the years, he becomes, he outshines the abomination in strength, so the abomination stops being, ah, oh, the reason he's so deadly is because he's that much stronger than the Hulk. That kind of isn't the case, eventually. I think it is in this movie, but but not in the comics after a while. Mm, that's fair. 
As the soldiers fight abomination, they are powerless to bring the beast down, even with state-of-the-art weaponry. As Ross orders all his men to head for Harlem, Banner pleads with the general and Betty to try to let him try and use his Hulk powers in a controlled way against Abomination instead of just causing rampant destruction. Ross gives Banner the go-ahead and opens the helicopter door, with Bruce kissing Betty before diving to the street below. As Banner falls, he is shocked to discover he hasn't changed and seemingly plunges to his death. Pl falling to the street below, uh, Bruce creates a crater in the street, out from which emerges the Hulk. I'm starting to think uh, on this rewatch, I think that, that that similar scene in Thor Ragnarok where Banner falls out the spaceship and crashes is, could be a reference to this scene. But he lands, but he hit, hits the ground as Banner, doesn't he, in that scene? Just, yeah, yeah, I know. Then yeah. It tends to, yeah, I, yeah, I thought probably, it was like a reference. Probably, yeah. yeah. Seeing Hulk, Abomination charges at him. The two monsters collide, causing even more destruction. Getting up to his feet, Hulk is taunted by Abomination, who is proving more than a worthy adversary. Using parts of a police car as boxing gloves, Hulk lays into Abomination, smashing him into the pavement, but Abomination recovers and throws Hulk through a building. Ross's helicopter flies by and lays down fire on Abomination, causing him to flee. As Abomination tries to take down the helicopter, Hulk intercepts him and tries to drag him off the helicopter, causing it to spin out of control. The helicopter crashes in a derelict block, crushing Abomination beneath it. I think using a police car as as uh, as boxing gloves was a very nice touch. It reminded me of the Hulk hands. Do you remember the Hulk hands? Oh, you mean the things you could... Yeah. Because he puts, he, he basically he puts on like big boxing gloves, and you know they were from the the Ang Lee movie. They were, and they were like the smash hit toy of two thousand and three. I remember um, them. I think I think my uh, brother had them. Oh well, yeah. Toy Biz kept them around. Toy Biz just kept like once the Ang Lee movie was done, they just changed the names. They just like they changed the packaging, so there was no Hulk no. reference anymore. And yeah, then when. They had thing hands for when Fantastic Four came out, <laughs> and they must have brought them back for this one as well. I, th I, I love, love that bit where he wears the police cars as boxing gloves is just brilliant. I loved it. So we've talked about Emil Blonsky and how dangerous he is, but how dangerous is he as the abomination? The only... Like, he does something that's really, really, really bad and evil and dangerous. Here we and go. no one found out for a long, long time. Ooh. Um, so, Betty Ross dies of a fatal case of radiation poisoning. Okay. And the whole world and family and Bruce Banner himself are like, well, this is because of how much time she spent in close proximity to the Hulk. Mm. So the gamma radiation has been poisoning her and gives her cancer and she dies. Banner is driven mad with grief. Thunderbolt Ross, who had come to kind of an accord with Bruce Banner, mm. renews his campaign of vengeance because mm. this guy, you know, I always told Betty that this guy was horrible for her, awful for her, and then it's killed my daughter. The whole world blames the Hulk for killing his wife, but it had nothing to do with Bruce Banner. Emil Blonsky was sneaking his blood into uh, Betty when she was in the hospital, poisoning her over a long period of time, um, very mm. secretly with his radioactive blood, um, and uh, was responsible for this kind of awful murder that kind of really tore up the Hulk comics for a good long while. That was kind of like the the one big 
uh, devastating thing. And and of course, that was nothing to do with like his physical power or anything like that. Um, it was an interesting, uh, sneaky, cunning thing for him to do. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Watchmen. Remember when uh, Doctor Manhattan's wife is revealed mm. to have had cancer, but then it turns out that they've been sneaking radioactive material. Yeah, to try and drive him off the earth. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Aboard the wreckage, Betty is the only one conscious and tries to help her father. Hulk starts to approach the helicopter, but Abomination springs up from beneath it. Heavily bruised but still wanting to fight, the two engage with each other. Abomination pins Hulk against a wall, stabbing him with an exposed bone. But Hulk wrestles Abomination off him and runs towards the helicopter, which has now caught fire. Using a mighty hand clap, the force of the air extinguishes the flames, but he is suddenly hit by Abomination wielding a chain. Abomination beats down the Hulk as Betty and General Ross look on. As Abomination starts swinging the chain above his head and approaching the Hulk, he asks, Any last words? With Hulk getting up to his feet and responding, Hulk smash. Oh, Yes! The thunderclap and Hulk smash goosebumps in the cinema. Yeah. I loved it. I was I love this fight. It's, it's so a, good. Very good. Before smashing the ground, causing the ground beneath Abomination to explode upwards, swinging the chains out of his hands before coming down on Abomination. Hulk grabs the chains and begins strangling Abomination while the evil beast struggles. As Hulk is close to killing Abomination, Betty yells at him to stop. Hulk obeys and leaves a weakened abomination to be taken away by Ross's men. Betty in control. There we are. Betty approaches a much calmer Hulk, but their tender moment is interrupted by a helicopter spotlight, which causes Hulk to flee across the rooftops of Harlem, escaping New York. So we're pretty much at the end of the film, but before we get onto the last bit, how, how powerful is the Hulk? I mean, he can do 4,000 miles in a day, in under a day, he's pretty, pretty hench. What, how powerful is he? You remember um, Secret Wars that we looked at are one of our uh, early bonus episodes. Yes. During that, uh, in the in the eighties, the uh, gathered superheroes on an alien world have mm. a one hundred and fifty billion ton mountain dropped on them. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And Hulk holds it up. To to keep them alive, yeah. um, in Planet Hulk, which we looked at, mm. the the Red King, the Dread Emperor, um, when he realizes he's losing, mm. tries to destroy Sakar, the planet, by detonating these explosions along its tectonic line, which oh. will destroy the planet. Hulk jumps into the planet's core and holds the to- tectonic tape plates together until it all stabilizes um that's the green scar emperor hulk version of hulk yeah then when he is enraged even further during world war hulk um and destroys discovers some harrowing disturbing things about his life in the past Mm. um he it's at the stage where every step he takes is so infused with gamma power, it is cracking the mantle of the northern hemisphere of America. Incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, The Hulk has... This is some ways he's been described over the years at various different times in the Marvel Universe, all in canon. Mm. He's been described as um, 
one of the most powerful beings to ever walk the planet with the potential for limitless levels of strength and durability. Hmm. Um, he has been described as the most powerful mortal entity in existence. His maximum strength level beyond anything measurable and beyond wow. any other humanoid being. He has the capacity for that when he is angry enough. Um, and the Hulk's physical might has been described as powerful enough to ravage entire worlds. Oof. Um, he's very strong. You know, uh, Doctor Strange, you know, at the end, there's Dormammu. Yes. Demonic cosmic entity. Yes. Thor has beaten Dormammu with his fists. Yes. Oh, that's good. And he had a fight with another Hulk that was so, um, devastating. It destroyed Mm. that entire dark dimension where Dormammu lives. (laughs) World to world, they went just destroying everything. That's mad. The Hulk is the most. You can't kill it, you can't destroy it, and you can't stop it. It's the most powerful being in the Marvel Universe. Like, there are cosmic entities that, you know, snap your fingers and wipe things out, whatever. But for, for, like, there's nothing. The Hulk always comes back. Raw power, he wins. Yeah. Thor doesn't stand a chance. (laughs) Um, We we looked at that in the past. We had the Hulk versus Thor episode. Yes. It's it's Hulk every time. A month later, Betty tearfully looks at a photograph she took of Banner. Meanwhile, Banner is in Bella Coola, British Columbia. (laughs) Where is he? Bella Coola. (laughs) I think I got that right. Looking at Betty's necklace, which she gave him, he posts it in an envelope back to her. With the help of focus, instead of suppressing his transformation, he begins to transform in a controlled manner with a slight smirk. Later, Tony Stark approaches Ross at a local bar and informs okay, just, him. Just hold on, we'll do that in a minute. Okay. I, I am not like the way I we, I read some stuff at the start of this about how the ending is left ambiguously. That's yeah, but your interpretation. The... That's your interpretation of the ending, which I think yeah. is probably right. It matches the story arc. Yeah. That he can now focus and control his transformation, mm. or not? Maybe not control his transformation, but control the Hulk. Yeah. But. I read some some stuff. The writers saying we left it open ended, so that that yeah. smile could be could be kind of like sinister, and it could yeah. well be that the Hulk has just lost control and, and yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't match the arc of the story of the characters. No, it? It did, but then again, they also didn't know what reboot means. <laughs> well, no, so. I think they did. The general <laughs> public didn't. But there was some other stuff that was said that was just like, "What are you on about?" <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's language. I just didn't have the language to express what the a reboot was. That's fair enough. Later, Tony Stark approaches Ross at a local bar and informs him that a team is being put together to deal with situations like the Hulk. This is it. Yeah. This is the very first true crossover mm-hmm. in the history of Marvel movies and the history of all superhero movies. This yes. is the very first moment of seeing a truly shared universe between films Hmm. this is the most important moment in the history of the mcu tony stark showing up in the hulk and it's what makes the mcu different to anything else that came before and Hmm. i can't tell you what this was like in the cinema watching it live (laughs) this was something else this was incredible um like it's one thing to have Samuel L. Jackson turn up and you go, mm. oh, that's uh, my name is Nick Fury. Okay, well, he could just be a character in the Iron Man movie. Yeah, and it would. I would. I think we were 
maybe expecting Nick Fury to show up in the Hulk. And you go, oh, okay, there's a character bridging. But it was so much better and cooler for it to be Tony Stark showing up here. Hmm. Did it? The problem is, I think you 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 would have seen this way after the fact. You know, you would have seen Incredible Hulk after Avengers and stuff, wouldn't you? Hmm. So yeah, it wouldn't quite I, have I, resonated I, the same way. It, it it This is the thing. It, instead of resonation, it it was weird because I didn't view it as an MCU film when I watched it, even though it really is. And I felt like it felt like almost tacked on, but it doesn't. On this Wait, viewing. but you but you first watched this for the podcast. Yeah. How did it not I, feel like an MCU film? I don't know. I think it's because it had Universal at the beginning, and something. Right. Yeah. I d- even even though Paramount did the first Iron Man film, but I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something in my head just made me try to convince myself it's not an MCU film. I don't know why. Here's what the AV Club said about this historic moment of Tony Stark mm. appearing in the Hulk. Way back in 2008, a shared cinematic universe was still an ambitious, weird, and above all else, risky prospect for a major studio to embark upon. Mm. By talking Robert Downey Jr., effortless, forget about that. By talking Robert Downey Jr. into spending an afternoon filming in some fake bar set opposite William Hurt, Marvel Studios suddenly made the long-imagined dream of creating a big cinematic playground for all its characters to run around in a reality. And the MCU post credit sequences would continue to serve this same function for a decade plus to come, acting as the connective tissue for an entire expanded universe and never letting audiences forget that they were only viewing a zoomed-in part of a bigger, much wider whole. I think that's really key. Well, there we have it. We have put to bed The Incredible Hulk 2008, remastered here as part of our Phase 1 remastered journey. Um, Will, turn to you, uh, has learned these things for the very first time. What would be your favourite pieces of trivia that you've learned from this uh, this jaunt through Hulk. There's a lot to choose from, but I'm narrowing it down to the risky start of the Hulk <laughs> um, comic book. Had no idea it was cancelled originally. Oh. It was poorly received. Mad. Absolutely mad. Uh, Betty Ross turning into glass. Glass but, woman. Glass. But but the big the thing that, always, that, that seems to crack me up for some reason is just Hulk flying. Just say, yeah, he's flying. Or is he jumping? We don't know. He's flying. He's flying now. Um, What were your final thoughts on this movie, then? Oh, God, what to say about The Incredible Hulk. This is a very uh, good, if uh, fairly serious, Marvel film. While it lacks the quips and fun of the other MCU films, the brooding and emotional aspects work so well. Great cast all round. Kind of make me wish uh, Ed Norton stayed in the MCU at the cost of some of the Hulk's funnier moments, though. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Will. Mm. Um, reading this for this episode, um, I think some of the like the, the, the real key, key, key Hulk stories, um, there are a lot by uh, Peter David. So if you check mm. out the uh, Incredible Hulk by Peter David, there's quite a few collections of those. Um, Incredible Hulk by Bruce Jones, I also highly recommend. Um, and the, in the uh, behind-the-scenes section, we talked about how those screenwriters and directors talked about a series called Hulk Grey by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale as a bit of inspiration. I'm not quite sure what inspiration, but it has a great emotion. It's a great emotional story. Um, and Immortal Hulk is 
new and very funky and weird. There's horror elements to it. There's a lot of magic elements to it. Um, but it informs a lot of the incredible new power levels mm. of the Hulk. Next episode, Will. It turns out Ooh. that Across the Spider-Verse is going to hit cinemas around the world. We're taking a special look at the cartoon that inspired Spider-Verse many, many decades ago. The Spider-Man cartoon of the 90s featured a two-part episode about Spider-Men from different universes coming together, clashing, fighting. It's called Spider-Wars, and it is very, very definitely what inspired the Spider-Verse. So, with Spider across the Spider-Verse out in cinemas, we're taking a special look at the animated Spider-Man, Spider-Wars. You can only hear it. Join us again next time on our big deep dive. Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show was produced by Will Preston and our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash marvel vs. marvel for awesome bonus content.